the life magic spread onwards like the creepers of a rose, the tendrils of a thirsting plant questing for new soil. Born by the revenants the Everqueen had summoned from the oak of ages past. The spirit song was carried far across Gyran, spread from portal and gate into the other realms. On it went, its irresistible melody caught in the minds of those it touched. To the lesser creatures of the worlds, it was nourishment. To the wounded in body and mind, blessed relief. To the creatures of chaos, it was torment. They heard only the screaming wrath of the lands. Weapon and balm all at once was the song, blessing and curse alike. The weft and weave of fate remade. Where once was stagnation, now came a surge. In once fair Gyran, the plants grew fierce, tearing at the flesh of the unnatural and vile. The light of Hish took solarite forms. Even grave cold Shyish found the touch of life upon it. Fierce axe, she saw a thousand fires walk the land. In mercurial Shaman, strange tides molded silver and gold. Eyes opened amidst Ulgu's mists, sinister and cruel. In Azir, living lightning struck and did not fade. Yet it was Gur that shivered most to the strain. Its bestial landscapes, so close to sentience already, spawned new and raging life whilst yielding that which had long slumbered. The mountains shuddered and split, and the land split with them. From deep within those peaks, an ancient prison broke, and a primal god came forth. Long ago, there was a lord of dance, he whose hoofbeats split the lands, he who made the dread mace, its haft hewn of Gur's bones. His shield, tusk bearer, torn from the earth where Gorka Morka, finding it not good to eat, had hurled it in his anger. Nothing could stop him then. He and his kin broke the land. Two legs, hunted by four, legends fell to his mace. Then came the scaled drakes, sun-hatched, Gur-blessed. In seeking to fell him, they made an eternal foe. He climbed their mountains, he trampled their nests, he split open their cities, he gorged on their young. The land broke under his hooves. The Drake Lord's cities fell, consumed by Kragnos's rage, eaten by Gur's endless maw. Their vengeance was long in coming. Cold bloods feel not the fire of temper. Lizard, Drake, and God Serpent worked a great spell upon him. Trapped in the mountains was Kragnos, caught in a prison of time. He raged but could not break it. He roared but was not heard. There he waits for his moment, his people long gone to dust. Yet when the land splits once more, he will break free to rise again. Welcome to the garage, you tools, for the next uh, two, three hours. Gonna do my best to keep you informed, entertained, and have a few laughs along the way. Bringing you Kragnos and orcs and elves and humans and Slanesh and Skaven and uh, I, basically Stormcast and, and kind of everybody. I'm David Whitech, and with me, as always, in the beginning of the show is Lindsay, the albino Canadian hockey puck. Say hi, Lindsay. Okay, so today we're talking Kragnos. Now, um, I'm recording this opening segment uh, after we had recorded the show. Um, sometimes that's helpful, much in the uh, 
independent characters style. And uh, I just want you guys to know that something on my end went a little wonky uh, near the end of the show. And when we were just sort of covering the war scrolls and things at the back after the lore, some of that got a little messed up. So I had to edit it down so we don't hit everything. We don't... Uh, in fact, we missed a, a, quite a couple of things. Um, it's just, I was having trouble. I, I don't know if it was Skype or me, but my, my co-host was just kind of getting louder and then softer and louder and then softer. It's getting weird. Uh, it didn't sound good. Uh, I was trying to fix it on the fly while he was talking, and it just kind of, I, I don't know if it made it worse, but you can hear my computer doing weird things in the back. I just, I had to edit the show. Um. I mean, I always edit the show, but I had to really edit that last part. So if it seems a little disjointed or stuff sounds like it's missing, I apologize. I just, I I didn't want to cut the whole thing out and just go with lore because, I, you know, I, I wanted to bring up a couple of cool things uh, that we talked about, whatever I could save. But this is going to mostly be a lore portion um, just because some of it just, I, I saved what I could. I didn't want to cut the whole thing out, though. So there you go. Um yeah, I know, Lindsay. I was here. I watched it happen. Thank you. Um, so before we get going, let's uh, thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, as always. That is Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. And Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your basing and 3D printing and token and uh, terrain needs. Six Squared Studios. And also Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois, where there's always something happening at grognards ah uh, yes grognards uh also uh, let's not forget to thank our patreon sponsors um those people who think this show uh even though it is a free show is worth something uh um and they are gonna they are donating to the show this by the way is the third show this month if i can get it out um i never i never we only do normally do two shows a month so this is not an episode where any of the patreon sponsors uh, will be charged because if i do more than two episodes in a month which rarely happens let's be honest um uh, you know i only asked for support for two shows a month and that's all i ever do so this is coming out for everybody this is a bonus show to all the sponsors patreon and otherwise um that includes our associate producers dwight sims christopher sanders ajc and big jake and our executive producer, Colin Miller, and our newest patron, Christopher Russell. Christopher, thank you for joining in and being part of the past, present, and future 1% who make this show and all the things we do on it possible. Uh, okay, so before we jump in to coming and start covering Kragnos, which is obviously uh, what we're doing today, um, I do want to uh, mention everyone that we have voicemail. And you can call and leave a voicemail message at 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Most international callers dial 1, uh, dial 0, 0, and then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Um, we did get one uh, voicemail since the last episode was recorded. And I, I went to play it, but I, I just whoever called, I just want you to know I, I wasn't trying to uh, not uh, play it, but it was it, it kept cutting out. And then I think it just like it 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 just stopped like, and I, I I couldn't make it was kind of distorted, um and then I tried to use the the you know Google tran the, the the transcript and the transcript makes no sense it says hey you guys I'm a bird, and I found your podcast to get me started in the hobby I've always liked the look of the Skaven I've never bought and that's literally all I got, and it. I was kind of distorted and I didn't get it. So uh, whoever that was that left that message, if you wanted 
to call back and leave another message, uh, I'm happy to play it on the air. That was just whatever was happening didn't come through. So um, the the voicemail gods um, were 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 not were not pleased with me or something. So just letting everybody know that. But you can always call and leave a voicemail. Happy to do it. Now I'm going to take a break really quick, and we're going to take that break. And then when we come back, uh, we're going to have a good friend of mine, uh, Chris Walker, on, and we are going to. Um, we're going to talk all about the rules for, um, for a, uh, for, um, the, what am I saying? We're going to talk all about Kragnos and, uh, talk about Kragnos. We are going to talk about Kragnos, uh, mostly lore, um, because it's important, and I know we already did the rules for AOS three, but this is really just leading right into whatever's gonna, wherever the story's going. This is the conclusion of this next transition to the next phase of the game. So um, it's an important piece. So we will get back to it in just a moment. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we're back. We are back and uh, going to be talking about Kragnos. And with me is Ooh. a friend, longtime friend of the show. Um, I think he's been on before. Uh, Chris yep. Walker. Chris. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Good, good, good. Um, yep. Wow. We've known each other pretty much as long as I've been in this game. Like we I met, think that's right. Yeah. Battle Bunker days. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, uh, Chris, uh, just introduce yourself to the audience real quick. I know you've been on before, but it's been a while. Yeah, it's been like, I think when AOS first came out, I came on and we did like a kind of like a little review of it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it was a while ago. Uh, yeah, Chris Walker is me and uh, I've been doing Warhammer since, I don't know, 92. It's like, yeah, like yeah. that's fifth edition, fourth edition, the one with the elves and the orcs and the cardboard cutouts and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Kragnos. Yes. Quick, just first impressions. What do you think? Uh, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a, a good story. I mean, you know, they've only got so much, you know, they've only got so many pages to make the story happen. So there's a couple of things they had to do to make it work, I think. But overall, I really enjoyed each section like i yeah i like yeah the, the the beginning of it is fantastic with the 
the big battle, good old Alarial doing her thing. Right. And I uh, love <laughs> just some of the stuff in here is great. The poor Beastmen, <laughs> just everybody's. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> whipping boy. Yeah, they just get kicked around. But, uh, you know, you kind of feel for them, but, you know, they probably deserve it. So, If, if I had any one criticism... Uh, I thought it was cool learning about Kragnos's the, the, like his origin story in that. Yeah, yeah. But by the time it got to the end, it was like, wait a minute. This, I mean, it, he's. I, it it just it almost felt like he could just walk up and and punch Archeon in the face. Just yeah. like, get out of here. Yeah. And it's, and I'm not. Story wise, it seemed. I'm like, how are you even going to work this? Right. Well, I think the writers, unfortunately. They sort of wrote themselves into a corner. Yes. <laughs> what are we going to do with this guy? And when you get there to the end of it, I'm like, okay, that works. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what I was kind of saying. They kind of ran out of space in the amount of pages they had to tell the story. They just kind of had to come up with something. But to- it's just when you're when you're throwing, you know, gods against each other. Yeah. Uh, I mean, unless you're pulling a, 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 a Nagash where you could just take him away and then his spirit just goes home and he's like, I'll be back, you guys. Right. Yeah, it's it, like it, they, can, they can't kill Kragnos in the book he comes out. <laughs> exactly. And it, it, it was a I, – I felt as much as I enjoyed it, and I, I'll say my favorite part, and we're going to – I'm not – no spoilers even. You know, we'll wait till we get to the end. My yeah. favorite part is when you get to the to the epilogue with all the different characters and what's going on. <laughs> yeah. The, like, like the last that. the last five lines of this book – yeah, I just I I was just cheering, uh, but that's just me because yep. you know when you're hitting certain you know everyone's got favorites and when that happened I'm like oh yeah yeah, yeah I was uh, I was uh, I was cheering when I when I got to that part because I love dwarves They're... oh I know I'm so excited <laughs> and I'm like oh my gosh does this mean maybe they'll get like their own the maybe oh that uh, yeah that's oh, where just, I was yeah. like oh yeah, yeah. we'll we'll talk I, about I, I when we get there. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. I was I'm excited freaking about out about that. So, uh-huh. all right. So our, the book starts, and it's it's hilarious. Just okay. <laughs> the Necroquake's over. Like if you listen to the right. to the to the Bellacore and the Nagash episodes, the Necroquake is over. Yeah. Um, things are starting to balance, and Hilarial has decided it is time to clean house. Yep. It's time. She's in her element, as they would say. She's she's. She's it. She's doing her thing, and you've she yeah. Th- you've basically got this giant dirge horn with all these you know beastmen gorgons just carrying this thing, yeah. and they're like you know it's, it's all Nurgle infested, and they're yeah. like we're still gonna take. And she's just walking through having none of it, and it's right. glorious to watch her do her thing where she's yeah. just like nope. I, I, you know, she's just calling up the the Sylvaneth are growing around her as she's calling more dryads to life, yeah. and it's it's a fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, it's it's, bit it's, of it's it's a really good story if you're you know a Sylvaneth fan because uh-huh. you never really. I, I while I was reading, I never really didn't think she was gonna have a problem in this one. No, I mean, she, okay. First of all, we all know that Beastmen are the whipping boys. Of AOS, like Poor they just, man. they just, and uh, here's the thing, I've always liked them. Like the models yeah. are kind of cool, the aesthetic behind them is kind of cool. They got cool idea for rules. It just doesn't gel. They haven't made it gel in this right. edition of the game mm-hmm. yet. And yeah. they, from the very 
first, like if you go back to when those fir- that first AOS book dropped with that first campaign and they told the story and some of the first novels come out, it's like Stormcast mm-hmm. coming around and then they were attacked by 8,000 Beastmen and right. they slaughtered them all and right. two Stormcast died and then they moved <laughs> along. And it's like, wait, the poor, like Beastmen yeah. just get the short end of the stick. Oh, yeah. Even in the world that was, the poor Beastmen just. Yeah. But I mean, the- I had a be- I had a Beastmen army and, you know, 8th edition and yeah. you know, they were they were fun, you know, when they came out with their ambush rules and broke Warhammer for a little while. That was kind of fun. They're super fun, and they need – they just I, – I still think a couple of new models, and if, and if Kragnos has any, any indication, yeah. you can get a couple of new models like this, and you could breathe life into an army that I think people love but just right. don't go into because it's such – it's so one note at this moment. Right. I mean, they've got – I mean, they got a couple new war scrolls, which we'll look mm-hmm. at later. I mean, the old, the good old Jabber Slice and the Beast Lord, and you know. Yeah. So basically, and then uh, here now you, you get a nice thing with the with the the Beastmen are bringing in this Nurgle infested dirge horn, and right. then she gets to bring in what's her name, the new dudes, the yeah, the um, the uh, yeah. I forget what their names are. They're the new guys. They're, but they come in. So you've got a dirge horn playing. So she brings in her yep. own her own pipers with her own instruments. So yep. you get to introduce the new guys. And you know what? I, I the model's pretty cool. Yeah, the, the war song revenants. Yes. There you go. And they come in and it basically they play. It's it's the exact opposite of what a dirge horn. It, it's played and right. it's, life springs around it. Right. Um, now the dirge horn is an endless spell, correct? I. It might be. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, yeah, but as they're playing their instrument and stuff, I mean, everything is just clearing. Everything's going. Um, yep. The one thing I did like is that uh, you know the, the the memories of Atheloran. Like cause that she, was the part that just got kind of my my blood moving a little bit. I was like, oh, Atheloran, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was I was pretty excited to see that. I was like, oh man, because the Sylvaneth are cool, but they're this weird amalgamation, and they're 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 not. The old wood elves, and I just still want to see some. I mean, everybody yeah. wants to see some some forest elves. Let's just say forest elves because we don't want to say wood elves and confuse people. I guess right. Um, but basically, that's that's what it is. In fact, if you get down to it, it's like this introduction. And uh, the great spell of renewal would cascade across Gyren, and as its unstoppable melody was carried by the war song reverence into the other realms, the lands themselves would be galvanized to fight back against the dark gods. It was a right. new beginning. It would set in motion a chain of events that she, even she, did not truly fathom. Yet to replace the cloying curse of death with the boon of a new, vital new life, it was surely worth the cost. Right. Um, and what we find out here is that with the end of the Necroquake and with all of these new spells and this new stuff raging through, um, the, uh, Kragnos is unlocked from his. Right. Yeah, I kind of like the kind of like the text in between each um, like section, like you know, the italicized kind of bit of stories. Yeah. yeah, I really like that part. That's yeah. really neat. Like the like the the Kragnos. I guess it's a. I suppose it's a poem of it sorts. Is. Yeah, I actually, I did, I, we did it. I did it as the reading to the to the show open. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, because it's it's really it's just it's it it really sort of sums up where we're going yeah. with this. Um, but then we get into Act One. Yeah, and it, it talks about the the realm of Gur. Right. Um, I like that all of this is happening in Gur. Um, yeah. Gur is a, a 
that's it's one of the realms that I think is just really cool because we've mm-hmm. talked about it before how the tectonic plates shift, how the mountains themselves move. Like right. if, you know, if you like can't, the, yeah, the Earth is fighting itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you camp near a mountain and you might wake up with half of your camp enveloped under the rock because the stuff right. is literally moving. It's such a violent place even the land is violent it's just right. kind of cool and excelsis you know city of secrets that's where this is and this is where we right. get to have this cool this cool fighting going on right so this is kind of i guess this is sort of the i don't know maybe the second appearance of excelsis right because they had that book i think josh reynolds wrote the yeah, city, city of, of secrets, secrets was great book. and yep. it's and it's shown up in a couple of the different tomes in a couple of mm-hmm. different places um and if you don't know about Excelsis, it's here. Um, and basically what you're finding out is uh, this is kind of where those those the creatures birthed from Slanesh during yep. Marathi's ascension are, are basically here. Yeah. Um, I love their names. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you don't know anything about it, there's basically, it's, it's on the coast of Tusks, and there's... Basically, this stuff that they have there, and um, so it's there because of the spear of malice, right? The, right. The the big chunk of sigmarite that I guess is we don't know where it came from. I don't think we know that. I, it's, I, it's 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 yeah. kind of a an odd thing to find, I think, in Gur because it doesn't really have anything to do with beasts or. That kind of thing. It's just like this. It's it's almost a Zirish, right? It's kind yeah. of like, yeah. It's it's this weird. But basically, if you chip away bits of this stone, you can mm-hmm. use it. Uh, it. It'll help you sort of almost glimpse the future. Right. It'll help you to do to see prophecies. Right. The gl- the glimmerlings. Right. They mine that right. stuff. Uh, by interpreting the prophecies and acting on them before they come to pass, such scryers can ensure they are best placed to capitalize on them. Now, a lot of this stuff you see these, you know, whenever you get prophecies, like, the, you know, people are abusing them or trying to find the future and, and things go bad. Um, I sure. did like that there's some cool examples of legit good uses. Yeah. Like the fishing guild. Right. They'll take little bits of it to see, oh, if we go there, the the giant uh, the giant sea monsters will get us. So right. they know they can kind of use this to predict where the safe fishing is. Right. They sort of use it for their their commerce. You know, it's more right. of a to, it's a tool to you know to get what they need for their jobs. Basically, it's just a tool for them. Right. Which is cool. I was kind of doing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's interesting the way the mortal realms kind of deal with currency. I thought. You know, like because I mean, gold doesn't really mean a lot. To the people of the mortal realms, I mean, if you're from Chaman, it doesn't really matter because you have a ton of gold. Right. So, like, glimmerlings are used, you know, as far as currency. I mean, they have the, you know, in, like, the the, the water, right? The, mm-hmm. the, 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 what do they call that? The, uh, the, ox, the, name of the, the well, that's, that's, it's the water, right, that they use as currency. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, here we go. Aqua Gyranus. There you oh, go. Oh, there we go. That's what it's called. And so that's the sort of the healing water. That's they they actually mention it here. Uh, so then when they're talking about the people who live there, mm-hmm. so the healing water that was the common currency of the cities of Sigmar is Aqua Gyranus. So that's you know that so comes from here and it's traded all over 
the mortal realms, especially in Akshi, you know, the realm of fire, because, you know, it means yeah. something to them because it's hard for them to have water there. And I just find really interesting, like each sort of realm sort of develops its own sort of currency. But the main right. one, because it was even in the, there was a short story that came out um, with, uh, with uh, Gotrek in it. I think it was on, and anyway, they were, they were talking about, uh, it was like this uh, expedition to, led by this necromancer from like Shaiish and Gotrek and the uh, the dark El- or the uh, the oh, dark. That was one of the regular full-on right. books, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, in that, they actually mentioned the the currency, the Aqua Guy Ranis. Of course, Gotrek drank his, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care. He's yeah, no, because he's he's Gotrek. Um, yeah. I think one of the cool things is you saw all these good uses for the Glimmerling. Right. And then you get the High Arbiter, yep. who is one of these guys who is, he's a, he's a Slanesh worshiper. Sure. And he's got himself into a position where not only is he in this high position, but anybody who starts seeing, uh, he has agents in the Collegiate Arcane, any prophecy that was basically pointing out that he was working for the for chaos was either purposely misinterpreted or right. gotten he, rid of. Like he had the guys in the right place that nobody would yep. find him out. I'm like, this is. Well, he was the Zinch guy, right? Uh, talking about the High Arbiter. Yes, yes. Or Tim Vermeyer, that guy. Right, right. Um, and this is then this is a new story in this book, right? This brink of destruction section. Like they don't. This isn't in. Any other? I don't know uh, I, unless I don't unless that was part of the story from City of Secrets. I don't it, remember because I read it not. so long it's a, ago. It's, it's a little different. City although of Secrets they, is about some other stuff. Although they do bring up Callus and Toll in this too. They do, yeah. So there's just if you don't know about it, it there, it's just enough background information to get you rolling. Yeah. Um, but then we start to get uh, the it's called Tumult Arcana, right? And uh, it, I love the, t- the introduction of this. This is what I was talking about earlier. In Gur, to stay in one place is to court disaster. Each yeah. wall built in that realm will ultimately be knocked down. Despite this widely acknowledged truth, Excelsis has become a powerful presence in the Gurish hinter- uh, heartlands, which in turn has given rise to powerful enemies. Now, um, Otram Ver- I, I think I think I think Otram Vermeer was the guy from the Callus and Toll book. That's the the. The the uh, the Zinchian thing that they uncovered, yeah. because it says they're still re- they're still recovering from it, and that was like ten years ago, right? And they're still recovering from this. Uh, in fact, those areas were quarantined, and the Knights Excelsior basically said anybody goes in, you even go in there, and if we find you, find out, we will yeah, kill you. Done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh boy, um, and then we get this guy. Um, uh, Galen Vendenst, right, and this and his is daughter, and yep. his daughter. They get introduced here. It's like your classic witch hunters, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, he shoots like stakes, you know, sharpened stakes through his crossbow. I mean, that's pretty cool. Marked with <laughs> with uh, sigmarite runes and stuff like exactly. that to just yeah. to take out to, to you know to ward off chaos. I mean, these it's like this is Van Helsing type stuff going on exactly. Here. And there's this backlash against all sorts of magic use. And they've got yep. something called the Nullstone Brotherhood. 
a citizen-led yep. Sigmarite orthodoxy of the devoted that worked hand-in-hand hand with the Order of Azir. Um, I also love that people still don't believe in Skaven. They yes. didn't believe in them in the world <laughs> that was. They don't. Be- in fact, I'm going to say this right now. Um, many parts of this story reminded me of the stuff from Thankwall, from the End Times okay. novels. Just because it's like they've got this whole plan. They're under the city. They're uh, they're literally mining under it. So so certain areas will just collapse, and they will right. just and it's it's. I mean, and granted, that's the Skaven right. game plan. Right. But I just when I'm reading this, I was like, oh, this reminds me a lot. Even where yeah. the area gets quarantined and stuff like that. Um, so if you like your Skaven, they, they jump in like they, that. I wish they'd gone into the Clan Eshin guys a little more because that was always my favorite. Yeah, of the Skaven, you know. And once again, that was the the one thing that this book suffers from is you have to you're, you're jumping. I mean, you've got so many major players. Yeah, you've got Kragnos. You've got the two Slaneshi new gods. You've got. Uh, you know, Lord Croak pops up in here. Um, it's just so many big names come up that things sort of have to get some at some point. Some things just get that very shallow, quick treatment. Yeah. Um, but basically what you need to know is you've got uh, Odo Moglin, who is. Yeah, he's kind of the guy, right? The, he's the head of the Nullstone Brotherhood, and he doesn't like. Elves. He doesn't like anyone who does <laughs> magic, and he really hates elves. And right. this becomes this weird sort of almost racist sort yeah. of thing where any elf they see, they're going... Basically, any type of magic being used, they right. want to crush it and destroy it. And if they see you using magic, like even like the the... You know, the Order of Azir, like the actual sanctioned wizards, like these guys have yeah. issue with everybody. Yeah. And he starts lying and saying that, like, the Knights Excelsior, like, remember the Knights Excelsior. And if you don't, guys, if you never read City of Secrets or you don't remember the coverage we did, um, they've got some um, Knights of Zeros. And so basically, they've got some Stormcast here who are very ready. To judge, ruthless, I yeah. think is the word. <laughs> yeah, uh, any any hint of a taint of chaos, and they will kill you. Yeah. If there's a hint of taint of chaos on your block, they'll burn down the whole block just to make sure they got it. Um, and they are terrifying and frightening, and the people in the town are afraid of them. And this guy basically says, "Yeah, these guys hate chaos. They've they've you know given me the authority to do what I'm doing." Right. And so now he's going around with their authority. And he's anyone who's suspected of magic. He's basically pulling them off the streets, and they're he's disappearing people, right? And these disappearing elves, especially, there's a lot of prejudice against them. Where to the point where um, elves are starting to not, not go out in public too much, and definitely not alone. Because yeah, they say they go out in numbers if they need to go out, and. And there's violence between, you know, they're defending themselves, and then that's turning other people who weren't necessarily with Mulligan against the elves even more. So it's, hmm. yeah, I mean, they're they're basically being uh, uh, molested by these this these Nullstone Brotherhood people just being out, yeah. And then it starts to get violent, and then when they fight back, they're like, look, look, they're bad guys, and then everybody jumps in on them. It's kind of horrible. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And of course, this is all being orchestrated from the background. This is they're, they're, they're by the bad guys. Sure, I, I, my my favorite part is that at the end of it, where it's like, it's just kind of like, it's just so Warhammer. You know, it's like the end is like 
So many portents of doom were passed through the populace that the people of Excelsis became numb to them. <laughs> After an initial wave of panic and trepidation, they began seeing the omens of disaster more as entertainment than as any particular call to action. Gallo's humor was much in evidence, and in the gambling dens of the dockyards, they even placed bets on which they thought would come true and thereby claim the city's downfall first. Through it all, the citizenry in general went about their business, each feeling in their hearts the cloud of disaster looming above them, but unwilling or unable to do anything about it. I mean... <laughs> That is that yeah. That is so <laughs> Warhammer. That is so Warhammer. It's like just grim, dark at its best. It's it like, is. No, <laughs> They're taking bets on how. And here's the thing: it's not like a Deadpool where you're taking bets on who's going to die next. You're yeah. taking bets on how the city's going to fall, which is like, <laughs> right. how are you going to collect on that? <laughs> it's like I say, how are you going to collect that? Bet? What are you? It's it's. <laughs> This is. This, I thought that was. I thought that was great. I'm like, it, oh my god! It is. Gosh. It's fantastic. It is absolutely Warhammer. So yeah. now tensions start building. Um, like I said, Moglin is claiming to work directly for the White Reaper, which is the name of that you know that guy that yep. everyone's terrified of. Um, in fact, they, they, the Grand Conclave, which is one of like the one of the major governing bodies of the city, yeah. tries to disband the Brotherhood, right. and basically. Um, he comes into the meeting and brings in a couple of people with, and a couple of high-ranking people uh, who he's got basically in his pocket on his side, thinking what he's mm -hmm. doing is the right thing. Right. Gives such great speeches that they manage to keep them. Well, so it says to keep the city in harmony by focusing their wrath solely on those whom the Grand Conclave deemed dangerously disruptive. Okay, yeah. so okay, you can stay, but you're only going after major problems that we're, you know, you, you have to. You know, basically, they have to get a warrant. They have to get it cleared with them. Yeah, and they're like, sure, we will. Except every night they go out on their own, and they're still and disappearing they do it anyway. people. Yeah, they're, yeah, it got, it got it got kind of uncomfortable reading. I was like, oh man, these poor. It's just a. It's just it's just like a. I like a, a cleansing of this city of this. It's like, well, wow, that's I pretty am hard surprised that. Either the elves didn't come in force into the city to be like, "Hey, you need to you need to stop doing this to us," or that they didn't just all leave. Well, they did leave, right? The scourge privateers took off. Like they yeah, stopped protecting true. the harbor. They just they were gone. They left. Um, and I love this part. There was a great uh, there was a great irony behind the weaponized intolerance of the Nullstone Brotherhood. These ever-escalating acts of violence and persecution, his faithful served not their patron Sigmar, but another power, the mm. roads of excess. Oh, here we go. Here we go, yeah. So getting Slanesh going. Um, with the finest prophets and soothsayers run out of the city, there were few with experience enough to sort through the barrage of predictions. So you can see how this is going. Yeah. Slanesh is really working. And this is what Slanesh does yeah. at its best. And... Yeah. Um, when they started collecting mirrors, I was like, "Oh boy!" Oh is... yes, this was such a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. That it, well, yeah. When we hit that part, I was just like, "Wait, what are you like?" Anybody who's been playing this long enough or reading these <laughs> yeah. books long enough is like, "Oh no, no!" Yeah. Like you're just you're doing everything wrong. You yeah. Can't, it's like, why don't do that? Don't do that. Um. But yeah, this is setting it all up, and um, it. it 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 makes the Sinesh stuff that 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 insidious 
just getting in through your good intentions and and, yeah. and turning things to excess. Uh, it's it's fantastic in here. Um, then basically, uh, Torelia. The, yeah, they introduce the the Seraphon at the end of this bit mm-hmm. here. Yeah, Dorelia is just like she remembered the stuff talking to the Stormcast. Yeah. Um and she goes for the 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 Seraphon sort of temple that's there. I guess that, it's like an embassy? Yeah. Cool. Uh but they haven't seen any there in a long time, but she goes right. there. She walks inside, it's like a TARDIS. It's yeah. bigger on the inside, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um yeah. but she, she actually goes in and I mean, first okay, yeah, I like these two characters, and I think you're supposed to. But I really yeah, that, like them, and I, think I like they're new for. I think they're new for this book. I don't think they were the City of Secret or the. No, I don't think. City no, they're people. new. Oh, they're not. No, I thought they were the. Maybe they. I don't know. Um, I'll look that up on a commercial break or something. Yeah, yeah. But what I thought was interesting is, you know, these are some really pure, wonderful. Right, which you don't see a lot of. In, I suppose, the cities of Sigmar folks, you know, like Stormcast, sure, yeah, they're, right. they're, they're good, you know, but. I mean, these, she's these... not only pure of heart enough to go, and, mm-hmm. and the Seraphon will actually speak to her. Right. And, but she's got the moxie to walk in there. Yeah. And, and to weather all the stuff that's happening there, because most people, I mean, let's face it, we've read, a, I've read a lot of stories with, with the Seraphon or the lizard men, and if you're not supposed to be there, they just poison dart you and you, they disappear. Yeah. You, you know, kind, and yeah, kind of, yeah, exactly. Kind of like the how the wood elves used to protect Athalor and that kind of thing. Right, and so she goes in there, and it's a psychic communion. They call it the lizard shaman shows her glimpses of what was to come. She starts to see all these things happening. Uh, mm-hmm. Little little flashes of images, and of course, it's all stuff that has to be interpreted. The one thing that stuck with her was a prison of mirrors. Yeah. So she's like, "Oh, we have to go talk to the White Reaper." Which right. again, people avoid this guy like the plague. In Callus yeah. and Toll, well, he's scary. In Callus and Toll, he <laughs> went to see him, and they could tell he was basically scanning their souls for impurity. And if he yeah. found anything, he just will. He will smoke you. Yeah, it's like with the yeah with this, like with the Reaper's eyes boring into him, he began to wonder if he had made a colossal mistake. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but they go yes. over there and they're like, um, you know, we're, we got all this information and this isn't a good thing. So she explains to him the prophecy she saw from the Seraphon, mm-hmm. and he says he's never so much as spoken to Moglin. And let alone giving him his yeah. blessing. And this guy's going to pay for lying about him. And I'm yeah. like, oh, dude, you just made, yeah. When this guy catches you, you're toast. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I, oh, it's so good. It was kind of neat. They, kinda, they And then they sort of, they tell us how hardcore this guy is and how, you know, how, yeah. You know, but then they sort of give him a, a little like a human, a human edge when he takes his mask off mm-hmm. and they show his face and they're like, you know, this guy, you know, he's, he actually, you know, he actually, ca- you know, he's, he cares for his city. You know, he's, he's trying to, you know, he's, he's being affected by all of this going on around him. And he is actually, you know, it's like, he is wow. a zealot. 
Yeah. He is a, he is a, he is a Stormcast zealot. He told Sigmar that he would protect this city. I wouldn't say he's fighting a losing battle, but he's fighting a never-ending battle at best. Yeah. It's kind of like a, yeah, like a, you know, it's a two steps forward, three steps back kind of thing. Right, and it weighs on him, and you get that in this part, which it, mm-hmm. it's nice to humanize him a yeah. bit because he has been portrayed as such a monster. Right. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting that they that they did that. They sort of. They sort of humanize a Stormcast character here. I was like, that's cool. Well, and a lot of the Stormcast have much, very human qualities, but this is one of those times. I remember reading City of Secrets where you got to see when the Stormcast are full on Stormcasting, mm-hmm. they're, fri- <laughs> they're frightening. Right. To a normal human. Uh, it, it reminds me very much in the way where you read about space marines in 40K. And they're all cool. And you, when you read stories, you know, and the space marines are all talking to each other, it's all this camaraderie. And then when you see it from a normal human's point of view and the space yeah. marines come in, how you just kind of freeze and wet your pants because you've right. never seen anything this scary in a human form. Right. Um, and it's really cool. So, you know, you've got these two talking to him and they they sort of form this little group which is great yeah Uh, story-wise it's so fun to get a couple of human witch hunters in with this guy um and you had to at this point if you're going to have a story be here and you're going to bring the stormcast in you need Mm -hmm. to bring in someone you have to make that guy relatable because this is yeah this is the hook that brings the readers in you know and you sort of identify with the witch hunters at this point you're like Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, the scave. And, and once again, this and it's cool. But oh, look, okay, so far we've got Alariel has cleaned out her place. Kragnos is getting loose. We don't have that yet. We know right. that Slanesh is corrupting the city. We know that the elves are leaving. Suddenly, there's a huge explosion in the city. Uh, mushroom clouds of green smoke <laughs> are blossoming, and. Uh, Big chunks of the city. Okay, basically, entire city blocks are dropping into the sewers. Right. Because guess they, what? They had, they had no idea that this was happening. Of course they don't, because nobody believes in the Skaven. The <laughs> right. only people who believe in them are the sewer workers, and everybody's like, "You're drunk on fumes." Like you yeah. don't know. Like it. I think it's hysterical that as long as I've played this game. Skaven are the most numerous of all the races because they're right. everywhere and under everything, right. and nobody believes in them. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> so, somehow, that, it's still true. I, don't, I thought I, I, I think thought it's it hysterical great. that people are just yeah. like, yeah, these guys don't exist. And the only people who believe in them are people who have been overrun by them, and nobody, like, nobody believes them because everybody's dead. Except yeah. for one or two people, and they all like, well, you just witnessed something. You, you're that's nah. You must have seen beast men. They were just small right. beast men. Small beast men. Well, right. if they were small beast men, we would have killed them all because everybody knows <laughs> you can kill beast men really easy. Haven't you read any of these books? <laughs> right. Um, I kind of I, I I do like this section. They sort of go into like the gnaw holes and yes, what they, what they do, and it's like yeah, this is cool. You know, if you're a Skaven fan, and this also, is. I also like the big, not the rat ogres, but whatever the ones are that have all the machinery with the little tiny rat working on them. Oh, yeah. And they're like, the guys, the more clever the humans realized, kill the, you know, it's like Master Blaster. Kill Master and you'll take down, Bla- you got to take the smart guy out yeah. in the back. Uh, it's really clever stuff. Uh, what parts of this did you, really stuck out for you? Because there's so many so, little fun bits. I really liked, like, the Storm Fiends, you know, when they're talking about how the Storm Fiends. Oh, that's it, yeah. 
fight and you know what they do and they're just like they're they're just like killing everything like oh, yeah. storm fiends and and you know it takes you know the you know the well the ne- i guess that's the next part where you know the the uh the uh the uh stormcast come riding in on the dracoths to yep. go fight that's a that's a great section when they talk about that that battle i'm like oh my gosh it's so cool uh it took and then you got you got um, th- then you've got the 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 little ninjas coming out with the, yep. you know uh, they got the shuriken flying, and they've got a different job. They're like they don't even care. Yeah. They just need to get through the mess to get to where exactly. they've got to be. Yeah. As soon as I saw that, I was like, hmm, they're they're going to be up to something, right? Yeah. yeah because the skaven don't ma- the skaven don't do direct assaults unless they're no. trying to wipe you out. And here it's like it's obvious they're not trying to wipe you out. This is a right. distraction. It's just a diversion, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I've always been a fan of the weapon teams too in Skaven. Yes, and uh, they they got a huge buff in this book. Um, and then I just liked how they describe the the uh, the um, you know the uh, the rattling guns. Yes, you know how. <laughs> Gosh. It's fantastic. Yeah, parts. Uh, th- this guy's blowing up everything around him, and this guy's just blowing up. It's just <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> typical Skaven stuff. Yeah. Um, all the artillery's coming out. The White Reapers going in there with Galen and Duralia close behind him. Um, mm-hmm. He's taking command. They've got all this stuff. Um, uh, like below the, the uh, Galen and Duralia are on to the like basically up on a high point so they yeah. can shoot and take things down. Uh, below them, the White Reaper was Death Incarnate, fighting at the front of the cordon until his tally was as great as that of both of them put together. Yet, yeah. no matter how many ki- they killed, there was always more. Yeah. That's yeah, that's Skaven in a nutshell, right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Now, here's the craziest part: is they 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 basically you know they cordon this area off. They get a, they 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 sort of lock this area down, so that things can't get in and out. Now, of course, you know there are going to be some Skaven who get in and out because mm-hmm. that's this is literally what they do. Right. Um, the work of months. It's going to take them to get them through, even though the main part was it, it would just take them that long. So it's like ugh. So they 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 can't. They just have to go in there and lock everything down and try yeah. to keep it going. Um. Yeah, this is where they come in on the Dracoths. They said they're just riding through stuff. This yeah. is a really fun. Book. It's a great section. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just. It's if, just. If you want to watch the Stormcast doing what they do best against all the insanity that the Skaven can throw at you, this is your section. Yeah. It yeah, just, I mean, I mean, every like, I think they, did, I think they mentioned almost all, well, most of the different Stormcast units in these two sections. I mean, they're talking about prosecutors, night venators. They're talking about judicators. They've talking Drakoth about Drakoth I mean, Cav. Yeah, Drakoth Cav. They've got, they got all of them in here. Because Evil they caters. have to. Because yeah. if you let, you can't. You just, you have to throw everything you have at the Skaven. They're, they're, they're literally they're vermin. If yeah. you don't get them all, you will be infested again shortly. Uh, and then part one wraps up with. Um, yeah. I, okay. I'm, I just want to. I'm just going to read this opening paragraph because mm-hmm. this is just a wonderfully crafted, well worded opening paragraph. In a dark and remote hollow of Ulgu, something impossible had taken form 
a presence locked in a cursed wilderness where only contradictions could dwell for any length of time. The dual entity was known as the Newborn, and already it had adoring throngs of Hedonites worshipping it from afar. It was the offspring of Marathi in some ways, and Slanesh in others, while also being a strange blend of the two, for the prophesied Newborn had writhed into two beings as Marathi had achieved her long-held dream, slithering from the god-slit guts of its father at the peak of the High Oracle's duplicity. Yeah. It's so beautifully written. <laughs> and yeah, there's some there's some good there's some good word choices in there. It's kind of like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so basically, and I like I like their explanation of this. You've got the these twin gods of Slanesh, or these twin demons of Slanesh, um, who basically you know he gives birth as Marathi is born, and as Marathi is soul is split in two during the. The problem during her right. creation into godhood, the apotheosis, or whatever. Yeah, these are also split. These wind up splitting into two. They sort mm-hmm. of mirror it, and I like how they say it's 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 a. They're not. It's like yes, they came from Slanesh, but they came as Morathi was coming into her own, and some right. of that rubbed off on this creation. And it's such a yeah. cool concept of why this right. happened. Yeah, it's 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 something that she didn't intend, obviously. Right. Um, but it's it's, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty neat, and the the models are super cool. Oh yeah, and I love their names, just Dexessa and Sinessa. Basically, uh-huh. sin and excess, right? I think is right. what we're we're going for there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like oh boy. So you got the talon and the voice. The talon and the voice. They were creatures of not only a dark beauty, but also a deep and indelible self-loathing. I love that. They, they're they these amazingly gorgeous things, but they're not whole, and they see themselves as flawed. And much like uh, what's it, Sigvald, mm-hmm. when they see each other, they just loathe themselves because of this flaw in them, because... They can never achieve that that perfection, that that wondrousness that they that they so desire. Yeah, um, their icons a broken mirror. They refine the ability to cast their will into the minds of others without them having an inkling. So they're very good at that sort of mind control and getting in there. And you know, they're very good at inception. They can get you to do things without yeah. you knowing that they're getting you to do it. Yeah, they yeah, they do that through their mirrors. Which mm-hmm. fortunately, Mulligan is collecting mirrors. So there you go. Yes. Um, and now they've got the Skaven doing mm-hmm. their dirty work. So they got this whole area right. which is now cordoned off. Right, because they somehow they were able to communicate with the the Radicek guy who uh-huh. you know is he was sort of their he's sort yeah. of their 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 a little pawn, pawn. I yeah. suppose. Yeah, uh, he would he would consider it a partner, but <laughs> <laughs> so he's there just sort of causing all this havoc. Right. Uh, and now this whole area is locked away, and so now there's a place they can go and be unseen because nobody's right. going to even nobody's even thinking of looking for them, right? Because they've got all this they've got all this Skaven problem. Well, they got, and they've got the prophecy over their heads, and they're worried about that. Yeah, the last thing they're worried about is the quarantined Crystal Fall region at this point. Right. Yeah, that's the last thing to worry about because yeah, <laughs> they're too busy betting now. Whoever bet that Skaven would would wreck the city, yeah, they're mad because it stopped. Right. They stopped it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> now, so Mulgan, 
goes and he's also found a way to go into the Cinderfall region. And yep. there's like you said, he's he's grabbing elves off the streets and other people he suspects of using magic, but mostly elves. Right. Dragging them to this little temple area. Mm-hmm. And he is he's stealing mirrors and he's setting mirrors up so they can watch themselves die. Right. This is a kind of a twi- and I I I, under- yeah. I understand the reason for needing the mirrors there, mm-hmm. but just the reason that he's doing it is like, oh, wow, you're just really evil. Like, how do you yeah. do you not know how evil this is? Like, I think it's 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 sort of he didn't start off that that evil. It's right. just a slow burn, and that's how Slanesh operates. You know? Right. But when you get to the point that you're setting up a, a, a room full of mirrors so that your victims can watch themselves slowly bleed out and see their own deaths, yeah, that's getting to a level of depravity. Like you know, it's well, like yeah, yeah. It's like, do you know how crazy this is? Like, do you have, do you wake and up I, in the morning and be like, God, I'm well, I, nuts. I don't. I, that's the thing. I don't think. No, not at they all. They do. They don't think it is bad. They're like, yeah, this is this is this is how this works. This is that that's how Slanesh wins. He pushes you and pushes you and pushes you and pushes you until it's too late. The screams of elves and men mingled in the streets, and the prophecies of every soothsayer grew darker and more disturbing. Hideous apparitions appeared within each of the broken mirrors, and as the blood of elves slain by treachery slowly dribbled into the cracks, they hauled themselves out like contortionists, escaping from impossibly small confines. Yeah. So you're like, oh, no, this is yeah. just, oh. And that's so cool, too. It's like, oh, now you've done it. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it's like this is sort of the thing that usually gets stopped in, like, other stories, you know? This right. The greater, that, like, the, the ceremony is complete. Like, it actually worked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mulligan's evil plan actually happened. Like, they're... And so, and here we are at the end of part one. So, at the end of part one, we've got, we've we've brought in, we've seen the the Seraphon have have stepped in, and said what's going on. You've got the Knights Excelsior who have been slightly more humanized, so they can, so that we don't have to be so afraid of them because now we're on right. their side again. Which yeah. after City of Secrets, we didn't like them. Um, right. You've got Skaven coming up and and wrecking stuff, and you've got Slanesh coming in the in the you know in the quarantine Skaven area. Now you yeah. have the like like twin demons of Slanesh coming out, and no one knows they're there. Yeah, this is, and this is just part one. Right. You, guess it's, who we haven't seen yet? Right. We haven't even got to him yet. The guy whose name's on the book. <laughs> right. All right. So let's take a break, and we're going to come back. Yep. We're going to jump into part two, and part two is The Rampage of Kragnos, because it's about time we get to the guy whose name's on the book. There you go. Something happened at Grognards. That's right, friends. Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois, and at grognardgames.com. They are now open daily from 12 to 7 for your gaming pleasure. Now, if you want, you can go into the store, find what you need. Not comfortable going into the store, even with a mask on? Call them up for curbside pickup. Or order online at grognardgames.com. They've got what you need. They've got Warhammer. They've got Dungeons and Dragons. They've got Marvel Crisis Protocol. They've got Battletech. They've got a huge pre-owned section, and you can find it on 
grognardgames.com or in the store. Now, you can't play in the store right now. Still got to have social distancing protocols. And if I got to stay more than six feet away from you, probably can't play a game of Magic. Probably going to be pretty difficult to play a game of Warhammer either. But you can still get all your hobby needs met at Grognards. Because if the world starts to reopen and your hobbying starts to take off again, you know you're going to need stuff. And you can find it at Grognards. And why? You know why. Because there's always something happening at Grognards. And we're back. We are Hello. back. And uh, turns out uh, I was 100% wrong, and you were right, Chris. The Vendensed are new models. Uh, uh, but when they were previewing them, I thought they were part of Cursed City, and then I realized, no, wait, those are other people. I was wondering how could they be part of that. That's a completely different place. But they were just hey. – so, you know what? And, I, I mean, nothing against Cursed City, but of all the models outside of the, the, the like, the new the, – some of the new vampire models that came out um, – those Van Dens models really stuck out in my head enough They're where I just cool. attached them to Curse City. <laughs> yeah. Well, they would fit right in. Oh, no kidding. All right. So let's. Uh, so now we're on part two. So, yeah. you know, the coast of Tusks, and you get this whole backstory. Yeah. Um, this is interesting. The earliest times of Gur, Gur was not ruled by humans at all. Um, many of these things were, be- you know, beast men were sort of there. There were different races, but it's the the Drogur, the Drogruk. Drogruk? Yeah, that's a, that's a new that's a new thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the Drogruk are massive centauroid creatures that could trample an ogre. Yeah, so they're huge. Yeah, that's big. Okay, uh, native to the Gurish heartlands, they were creatures of earth and wilderness, and one of the highest among them all was Kragnos. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Kragnos was once mortal. This is interesting. It was the way of the Drog the Drogrook, to only take what they needed. Like, they sort of lived in with the land, you know, they just... Yeah, they're yeah. in harmony with their environment. You know? as, as, as harmonious as you can be in the realm of Gur, I suppose, yeah, right? Sure. Kragnos, uh, born to the tribal ender Gorgos, wanted more. Right. Uh, he tried, uh, he beat up his brother over the right to court the same mare. He decided to strike out with his companions uh, he basically takes off. He doesn't like how things are being run. Um, and he kind of reminds me in little ways of Nagash back when he was human. Mm, Not liking yeah. how things are run in his place, wanting more power, wanting more. Leave, and now he leaves with his close group of friends, whereas Nagash just sort of stayed there and sort of got his little cult under his sway. Right. Um, but they learn the arts of war. They make weapons. They do all this stuff, and they're out there. Now, what happens, and this is fascinating to me, um, they go out there, and they are really good at killing. Right. And when you're in Gur and you're really good at killing, you raise the attention of the Greenskins. It's impossible not to. Yeah, because they just sense the destruction, and they just flock to it. Right. Uh, The Bone Splitters, who... You know, they, they, they go off and kill the, the... They see him killing big monsters. They see him doing mm-hmm. all of this. They start to somewhat worship him. Right. Now, not necessarily as Gorka Morka, but this is something that we, you know, we want to be a part of this. They start to praise him. They want to run behind him and cause destruction. And uh, if, if anybody who doesn't 
no green skin stuff, the, one of the things with the uh, bone splitters is they kill all the big monsters and they try to eat their bones and their marrow or, or, right. or put them, that's where you see them with the bones like embedded in their skin because yep. they're trying to get some of that power. Right. Well, it turns out that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was reading that. It's like, And wow, if you okay. just keep, and as they go through these battles, they would give the nicest bones, the best parts to Kragnos, mm-hmm. who would then mm-hmm. eat them. Right. And Kragnos kept eating them, and it was making him bigger and bigger stronger. And bigger and bigger. Yep. And so then they're like, "Wow, look at him! He's such a he's he's you know he's like a god. He's destroying all this stuff." And so he would win a bigger. He gets bigger, so he wins another battle. So they give him more tribute, which he mm-hmm. then eats and then gets bigger and then wins bigger battles, which gets him more tribute, which he then eats and gets. Bi- and this just keeps going. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it becomes sort of ridiculous. Yeah, like how, how big he gets exactly. Yeah, after there was one um one of his one of his tactics was to rear high and strike down with all the force of their combined hooves at the same time and it would crumble Crack castle walls or cra- yeah. yeah. And so this suddenly gets a rumor that he is a god of earthquakes. Mhm. Um over time, he grew even mightier on a diet of amber bone and monstrous marrow, and the same belief empowered him until reality began to echo the legend. Uh, and then, basically, that th- he would run and it would sound like thunder. Yeah. And that would just draw the greenskins to him. This is kind of a cool bit of story here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like how they kind of, like, they sort of talk about some, I don't know, some history with like they sort of mentioned the shagoths mm-hmm. as they throw those in there i mean you know, i mean there's very little attention paid to shagoths in age of sigmar but they're here they kind of, yeah and eventually i mean with the size of this place you never know there could be tons of them we could totally get an army someday and they said, this is they came from azir the shagoths oh, that was interesting that? what page are you on so it's on 36 they talk about the uh the shagoths Oh, yeah. Having come to Gur from Azir, they could trace their origins to another realm, yet they call themselves the rightful lords of Thondia. Now, mm. this is this is an interesting thing, because you also have the Draconith, mm-hmm. which were dragon-like sorcerers born from the Gur. Um, they had a non-aggression pact between them because right. they were fighting the Shagoths. Yep. So you've got the Draconith, and you've got the Dorgruch, or however you pronounce their name. Dorgruch. Dorgruch, yeah. Um, so they they don't fight each other because yeah. they were you know going after the Shagas because you can't come from another realm and say you own Gur get out of here right. Um, <laughs> Kragnos, now the tra- the Traconeth are interesting to me. I'm not quite sure what they are. They now yeah. I, I I I feel like it says they they did worship Dracothian. Uh, yeah, didn't it say that here. So yeah, I mean they are dragon spirits. Sim- I mean they must be some sort of offshoot offshoot of what we see with the the Dracoths and that stuff. Hmm. That's I all I can what, think of. I, I mean they don't really they don't really kind of sort of tell us what they they just say they are they oh, are wouldn't be cool sorcerers. Get, wouldn't it be cool to get a weird dragon? Sorcerer army. That would be that'd be sweet. That would be such a so, neat so thing. I was wondering. The Draconeth were a race of scaled dragon-like sorcerers born from the rocky peaks of Gur, the eldest of which were each as large and powerful as the mightiest of the Drogruk. So they are full-on big dragons. Yeah, 
I mean, no, kind not of, full, I guess not dragons. Many, well, maybe not full big dragons. I mean, right. if you can maybe, trample yeah. an ogre, you're big. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. but game-wise, wouldn't it be cool to have some smaller ones and some larger ones in there, that'd actual cool. wizards and that'd stuff? Be, I mean, this is cool. like... I mean, it, it, in fact, um, I actually have in my notes here, it talks about how... Um, what is it? It doesn't... Uh, is this the part where... Yeah, this is... Yeah, Kragnos goes in and he basically decides. Yeah, he, he decides he that he doesn't care about this treaty. He's going to wipe them out. Right. Yep. Um, and this basically. Well, he's going to go take out the Dracon, the Draconeth. He's going to go yeah. take them out. And he goes and hunts all of them down. The last bits of which, though, uh, while he's sort of uh, distracted or or, or stopped. Um, they actually, um, and what I like is they are, they, I think I have it on my notes here on the side, they are sort of spiritual kindred to the Seraphon. Right. I mean, because the Seraphon are all about Dracothian, right? They sort mm-hmm. of, they seem to revere him. It was the as last much as- living dregs of Vexterthought that were to finally halt this onslaught. Uh, they knew another race that revered Dracothian. Mm-hmm. And they basically gave all their eggs to Lord Croak. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. In return, the Matrix give... Yeah. Oh, this is this is really cool. So they promised they, they, they're going to take... He's going to take care of their babies, and they're going to they're gonna sort of work together. So I like that the, the Seraphon and this race are linked together. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Well, and they sort of, they, they sort of, and they kind of dive into the whole void-faring temple ships again. Mm-hmm, and in case mm-hmm. you forgot that the Seraphon travel in spaceships. Uh, well, yeah, the, you know that's one of those parts when all of the when all of the ziggurats on the world that was just took mm-hmm. off into space, and and yeah. so many of us were like, "I knew it." <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically. What is it? Uh, they, they, they. This is where they fight Kragnos. They're gonna stop him. Yeah. Okay. Gonna stop him. Um, the battle did not go well for the Drakes nor the Mage Priest. For Ew. he had that shield. Now he has these weapons. Yeah. He's got this huge club, but he's got this shield, and I forgot what it's made of. But basically, it just nullifies magic. Right. I mean, they kind of they they talk about how when he. Finds it. Yeah, they talk about it. I mean, it's earlier. I don't. I don't know exactly where it is. And if you're reading this, I mean, it's it's not mm-hmm. important so much as it's a giant shield that nullifies magic. Yeah, it's a it's a it was a like a thing that Gorkamorka tried to eat and he didn't like it and he threw it away. And now <laughs> Kragnos found it and picked it up. Okay. Yeah, I mean, okay, but either way, it's just it it's so and it it causes a lot of issues for anybody because yeah. he's he's so big. It's 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 so difficult to take him down through physical means because of the. I mean, here's a guy who, by the end of the book, when he runs full bore, it actually describes that it looks like he's running, and the like running away from running at the front of a fissure, like an earthquake that's cracking right. the earth, and he's just yep. just about just ahead of it when he's yep. actually causing it. Right. This is how big and uh, honestly. He, this sounds like power that should be to those. The what are the 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 god beasts? Like he seems like a god beast almost at this point, you know. Well, I mean, he's. I mean, they talk about he says he's. I mean, they they t- say the Drogrook god 
was so swollen on his diet of realmstone, monstrous marrow, and constant conquest that the sides of the mountains sloughed away under his hooves as he climbed high to finish what he had started at Vexothskull. Like, wow. Okay. Yeah. So he's full on God at this point. You know, they just. Yeah, I mean, he's nigh on unstoppable. And right. so it, you can't defeat him through physical means. And if you're going to shoot magic at him, he just puts his shield in front of him and your yep. magic dissipates. I mean, he's, right. he's got it all. Yeah. Uh, and basically they have to they basically have to put him into a pocket dimension. Basically. Yeah. yeah they put him in like just... they put him in a stasis field or something for for, right. for lack of a better term. Yeah, they, they, I guess they get on top of a sort of, I guess it's like a hollow mountain, and they just sort of dump them in there, and then they close it up. Yeah, uh, the spell of entrapment was woven of time itself, could not be damaged by mace or might or sheer outrage. So all of Kragnos's, because he is not a wizard. No. He doesn't, yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> that's We'll go into, like, yeah. His, his, we'll go into his war scroll later, but yeah. I but mean, that's all sort of his, his physical prowess, none of it, it can affect this thing. He had been mm-hmm. removed from the cosmic tapestry entirely by the magic of the great Drake and his abilities. But right. his incarceration would one day break, and on that day, his wrath would be mighty indeed. Kind of yep. cool. Yep. So this is, I'm trying to think, is like the timeline of how this works. So I... I assume this is after, because like Croak is involved in this, right? So, so they've this, gotten here, and I so, mean, obviously there are humans around, right? Yeah. But, so this has got to be after the world, the Warhammer world was destroyed, because Croak is here. Oh sure, but so I guess this. All this I know is before this is, the age of Sigmar. Yeah, millennia must, had passed. Yeah. before he gets out, so he was captured a long time ago. Right. So I'm just trying to think of the scale of time from when the Warhammer, the world that was, was destroyed, to where we are in the age of Sigmar. I mean, how much time has passed here? Well, I mean, he gets out basically now. Like he's right. he's getting out at the end of the Soul Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. That's the thing. Yeah, when? How long ago was it that he got put in there? I'm not I, certain. I don't know. I mean, because is it possible for Lord Croak to be? I don't know. I mean, I mean, the last of the Draconith Empire is gone. The the lords had faded into myth. Mm-hmm. Deep in the void, the core of malice hurled from a bygone world, bearing a new god of humanity's warrior spirit to the mortal realms. On slept mighty Kragnos. So he was imprisoned before, at least before Sigmar showed up. Yeah. Okay. Now, right, once so, again, Lord Croak, I mean... So how did Lord Croak get there? Well, they were traveling on spaceships. So I guess they're able to be in the mortal realms and the Warhammer world at the same time? Well, no, what I'm thinking is they just got here quicker. Okay. Remember th- that piece yeah. of that piece, the, the core of the Warhammer world. I mean, that's like Haley's comet. It just sort of flew around space with Sigmar mm-hmm. hanging onto it, and just <laughs> right? flew around like for a long time. And, and Dracothian found him, right? Right. So he found him floating around. I'm guessing that once they left. Plus, I mean, I'm also guessing that they can move through warps or the webway or yes. whatever that is, because all time that time and space. Yes. So managed Croaklord managed to get over here, uh, you know, way before Sigmar ever did. But a lot of things showed up here before Sigmar did. Remember, when Sigmar walked the lands, there were already human yeah. and, and Dwarden civilizations that were that were 
had risen and fallen before he right. walked these realms. Exactly. So he kind of took this. He took the scenic route. Yeah, I, I was reading this, and I was kind of like, I feel like the mortal realms have had, I don't know, did they already have humans on them? But at the same time as the Warhammer world? I mean... I was under the impression that they didn't exist until the destruction of the world that was, because it's I, when those gates... Cause, 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 and the winds of magic, right? Sort right, of winds be, of magic be, blow up and sort of go out and make that. I, right, because remember, in the world that was, magic was only from the realm of chaos. Right. But then they took that magic, and that was when the elves broke it into its elements through the, yep. through the whirlpool and bring it down and breaking into an elements... Yeah. And when the world that was blew up, all those elements, it was still fragmented. And each of those elements then coalesced mm-hmm. into a realm. Yeah. So the mortal realms didn't exist before the end of the world that was. Right. Um, I, I, that, that's what I think, I think we were led to. I think that's what we were led to believe. But I don't know. There's like, like They just talk about how ancient Lord Croak is in this. <laughs> says, the being said he had once been known as Lord Croak. Well, yeah, he had variously I mean, he, been called Korak. Croak, Cribhet, and a hundred other variations over his eons-long existence. Like, well, he did okay. exist in the Warhammer world forever. Remember, by the time we got to him in the Warhammer world, he was the husk. Yeah, he, he was a mummy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he, I mean, well, he was he was one of the original. Yeah, um, he was a first order. Slon, right? I think that's what they were called. Uh-huh. And I mean, those guys were here before the elves were here. He was yep. there before. Obviously, yep. he's older than Nagash. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 crazy. Mm-hmm. So um, this prison, which held up against the necroquake, for what yeah. is energy of endings against something removed from time altogether? And it's funny, the death magic couldn't stop something, right? Like this, but the life magic. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I like I, I th- that. Th- that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Because you 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 got to explain how come the necroquake which broke all this magical stuff didn't break this? Right. What is what is the end against time that goes infinitely? Nothing. Oh, but right. life springing. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Yep. So Alaria accidentally. Energy. Yeah. She. She busted him out. She basically did. I don't. Yeah. She didn't. She didn't know. And he's out, and he's not happy. Well, here's the thing. I think Alaria, even if she knew, she would have done it anyway. <laughs> What does she care? He's not in her realm. <laughs> and honestly, if we're going to blame someone, she's just going to be like, you know what? You started this, Teclas. <laughs> right. You started this when you went after Nagash. You ended the you ended the Soul Wars. You brought the life magic up. Yeah. Don't blame me for what you started. Because she even she said, can you tell what? Remember at the end of the Teclas book, she says yeah. to him, you have no idea the ripples that this is going to have. And he's like, dude, right. it's totally worth it. It doesn't yeah. matter. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good enough. Now we've got a, a little bit more uh, now that now Kragnos is out and we've He's got out. a little bit more before the end of, of part two here. Um, we get back to the Scragrot with the green skins and all that. The bone splitters. When he comes mm-hmm. out, oh, the beating of his hooves are driving yeah. the bone splitters crazy, yeah. which thump, is fantastic. Thump, thump. Because yeah, that's thump, part of their thump, story. Thump. They start to hear the beat of the yeah. heartbeat of Gorka Morka, and it drives yeah. them to their to their to yeah. become crazy shamans. This is getting them mm-hmm. nuts. So the Wa energy that is growing yeah. around this is is going, and they know something's coming. Right. Um. 
I like that they're, the god beasts are the the sons of Bayamot are also mm-hmm. sort of like feeling something's up. Perhaps it was time for the true son of Bayamot to take up his crown and become a god beast. Those right. who saw Kragnos as an imposter or a rival met him in battle and were mercilessly crushed. <laughs> yeah, they got I think no they even, choice. I think in Scragrox muster, they even I think they refer to the the new cruel boys in here. I think there's a but they don't they don't they don't name them the cruel boys, but they're talking about the the Thondian greenskins, right? And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, they get almost no mention for for something that winds up in the new book. Yeah, they literally get a mention on like one of the last pages mm-hmm. because it's it's the swamp, it's the cruel yeah, boys the, who see yeah. that who see what happens and where he where he winds up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got Scragrot who's working along with, um, they're working along with what's his, uh, why am I blanking on his name? He's the greatest. Um, yeah, Gordrak. Gordrak, right. Yeah. Uh, and I love how Gordrak <laughs> just wants to go and smash everything and right. Scragrot's like, okay, listen, and Scragrot is, <laughs> talk about being cunning but brutal. Oh yeah. Well, he's, he even sends somebody else to do his work for him. Yes. And that poor guy, yeah, he doesn't. Hmm. But they're all going through here, and he's got to go get the, the, you know, the he wants to get stuff. Um, yeah, there's like three items that, yes. are, that are supposed to be retrieved, and Gordrak's not, just not having any of it. Right, he's like, no, I don't want to. Now, Gordrak does manage to get the head of the god beast, which he's going to use as a battering yes. ram, which right. is cool. He's got that, right. Um but yeah, he uh, Scragrot gets all the little bits of glimmerlings, and he's using that. He does. I, I have this in mind. He wants to be Master Blaster. Oh yeah. He wants to be the brains behind. Yeah. Uh, Gordrax brawn. Mm-hmm. Because as much as Gordrax gets the job done, he just sort of rushes straight forward, and it's right. not a it's there, it's not much of a plan. It's just he's doing stuff, whereas right. Scragrot's like, in fact, there's a part in here, and I think, oh, yeah, it's the when they start, uh, they go through the Sharptooth River, mm-hmm. they go through that portal where you got to go yep. through the water, and they come out in, in Thondia. Right. And you have to wade through the sharks. Yeah, in the, in the river to get out. The and other a bunch side. of them get killed, and he's like, "Okay, yeah. if you couldn't make it through that, you don't deserve to come through." Yeah, yeah. But then he sees he sees the target. He wants to attack Excelsis. Got to take mm-hmm. down the Yumis, right? Right. And the Loon King's like, "Oh no, you can't." Like he's it even has, sends that like you said he sends the guy. Yeah. Go tell him we can't go in a straight line here. It's going to cause so much trouble. And the guy right. tells him, and Gordrak just basically decapitates him for yep. for telling him what to do. Yeah. So I, I, he doesn't really. They they mention these items that need to be retrieved, the the Basha shard, and the the golden amulet. We don't really know why. <laughs> I I'm, don't really. I'm hoping this stuff shows up later, though. I, I'm right. hoping this is just seeds for more cool story stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's the beauty of being able to move the story forward. You can exactly. drop this stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, hmm. they've got a guy at GW who knows where the story's going and what's happening. <laughs> right. They're seeding these pieces. And that's why I'm always looking for them. This is some one of my yeah. most fun parts of reading these books mm-hmm. is looking for mentions of stuff, obvious or not. It's yeah. like okay, will this show up later? Because if this shows yeah. up later, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, I've I've got a, I've got some I've been 
took some notes like throughout this and sort of they drop a couple of things here and there and we'll, we'll, maybe we can talk about that at the end just some just sure. some little nuggets they drop in this book that you know they just obviously they're thinking about it about stuff so they want to they want to they want to avoid this jungle because it's just going to cause fights that they don't need on their way to the city. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to hear it. So the Loon King goes and gets a bunch of these Spider Fang, um, the the outriders, the the yeah. sort of the guys who go ahead of it, and he's basically talking to them and having them lead them slightly off course, just a bit, just a bit, right. a little bit every day. Well, they have to avoid the Seraphon, right? Right. So because that's what that's what's in the jungle. He's like, yeah, not, we just don't want to fight them. Yeah. And so it's like, wait, if we if if I can just get him, get the guy who's sort of leading the the you know scouting out ahead, if I can get mm-hmm. him to just sort of weave us slightly to the left a little bit every day without telling anybody else, yeah. And he does, and he manages to get Gordrak to go around there, and it's like, oh, we don't want to go through. Okay, and then we didn't. <laughs> okay. <Right. laughs> um, and then I think, I man, some of the best fights in the book are in this section. The Clash of Giants section. Yes. <laughs> this is a, this, these well, fights are fantastic. <laughs> so he gets to this canyon and he gets to this place at the exact same time as Kragnos. Yeah. And he's like, oh, what is this? And he sees this guy coming and he's like, he sees this giant beast and Gordrak's like, oh, look, something to kill. Yeah. And this is not working for him. It says, oh, here it is. From above, he appeared to be galloping at the tip of a great jagged fissure that racing across the wilderness split the land of Thondia in two. Yeah. He's literally, if he runs at a full gallop, he is cracking the earth beneath him. It's right. just, uh, and, and I get it. It just, it make, it's like, wow, who can fight this? Like, as I'm reading this, I'm like, how could you fight this? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. How do, you, how do you solve this issue if you're people who are against him? Well, um, the Mega Gargants tried to fight him, and they got, a, they got, you know, they got beat up. I like Huge Thargo. Huge Thargo yeah. cracks me up. He is he is one of the oldest, toughest, and bad tempered of the Mega Gargants, but he's becoming a little deaf <laughs> right. as he's getting older. And he heard the thunder of Who's to the North. It was the first sound he had heard clearly in years. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, and Kragnos just, just, just he, yeah, get, just kills him. He's killing mega gargants, With just like one shot, slapping them around like mm-hmm. they're punks. Uh-huh. Um, basically, the one, the last one was the only one smart enough who knelt down, held out his club like he was a knight offering his sword to the king. Yeah, and Kragnos is like, all right. And he yeah. gutters good enough in this ancient yeah. tongue and let this one live. Right. Uh, there's and he basically and his home is destroyed. Right. The, the, going to war, him trying to kill off all these guys led. He, he basically ended the non-aggression pact. Mm-hmm. And he might not have been a part of that of his own race or his families anymore. But the people he attacked don't know that, and they didn't right. quite frankly care. He broke the non-aggression pact. Time mm-hmm. for them. So everything's destroyed. And now he sees the Greenskin army, and he's like, okay, that's that. Um, yeah. And then you get this bit of story here at the end, which is a great it's, story. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, basically, Gordrak and his guys go up against him, and he yeah. beats the crap out of them. 
Yeah. Um, he almost kills Big Teeth. Like, I think he gives him a concussion. He's hurt and bleeding. I thought he right. died. Right. I literally thought he killed Big Teeth. Um, he beats the crap out of Gordrak. Gordrak mm-hmm. is laying there dazed. He turns around and for some reason doesn't kill him. Well, Scragrot saves his life. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Tell us about that part real quick. So, so Scragrot sees this. He's enjoying the fight from his, you know, his little view from this mountain, and you know, it, it looks like. I mean, Kragnos has beaten Gordrak. Gordrak is. Got one axe left. He's got standing there. Big teeps under got buried under some rocks, and uh, Scragrot just like it says a scream forced its way from the Grot's throat, and he flung his arms skyward just as the bad moon flickered and pulsed high above, and basically bits of the bad moon fly down into the earth, and uh, Kragnos takes it as a sign. You know, I think. Oh, that's and right. Just like, yeah. And he said he decides, yeah, let's go. You know, let's all, you know, basically. Let's, and this is a great picture here. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. You've got Scragger just reaching up. He's, he feels like he's aged years. Yeah. In that. But yeah, the bad big <laughs> chunks. It Basically, it's an aster. It's a, it's a, it's a meteor shower. Yeah. Called down by Scragrod, basically. And he looks and kind of nods at them and then just points his, like he like like Babe Ruth, he kind of points his, <laughs> th- that giant bat towards the city and takes off. And then Godrek says, you heard him, lads. We yep. got a city, a to, city smash. to smash. Yep. Oh, that was so cool. That was a great battle. Yeah. Uh, and that's the end of Act 2. So, you know what? Let's take uh, another quick break, and then we're going to come back with the Siege of Excelsis, which is the last part of this story. And, oh, this this is where it gets crazy. So we'll be Mm -hmm. right back. This is Brian Blessed, and you're listening to Garish Hammer. Hey, Grant, what you doing? Oh, not much. Just building some models and listening to Garage Hammer. Garage Hammer? I love that show. It's awesome. I know. Jaguar. And we're back. We're back with the Siege of Excelsis. Woo-wee. Okay, this... Oh, boy. So it's it's two books in a row that we've had a city of Sigmar under siege. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to happen. It's, we, the, you know, they spent a, a lot of the that end of the first edition of war and then getting into the Soul Wars where... We've built up these cities as these bastions, mm-hmm. and of course they're going to come under attack. You know, yep. they're going to have this happen. Um, I guess, yeah. It's bananas, though, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, these seem like they're in a lot more peril than the maybe in the, the last one. <laughs> the Bellacor also, book. Well, yeah, but this, this is a city that's also in Gur. Yeah. Where when you read about Gur... Like no, like especially like if you read those the Greenskins book, like you know the Orc War Clans, mm-hmm. like literally any time you try to build a city, orcs or ogres or someone shows up and tears it down, right? Or just a mountain rolls over it. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's this this city should be imperiled. If there's a city that's going to be in more danger than any other, I would expect it to be this one, right? Um, and months, months have gone by. Uh, with all of this stuff since since uh, yeah this stuff's happened it's 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 not good 
Um, you've got all these people here basically hunting down the Skaven, locking this area down. Everybody mm-hmm. is going to be fighting because they know what's happening. They know this, uh, you know, that, that bad stuff is coming. Right. They're sort of all just, this is like they're just preparing for a siege, basically. Uh-huh. Uh, the, uh, what's his name? The White Reaper actually gets Garda Steel Soul and asks him to come help. Yeah. Um, and, because he's a part of it. And the, the Slan had showed that, you know, basically there's a lot of stuff happening here and giving him well. a hint that basically all these bad prophecy, you know, if you bet on all of the above at that bar, that's, that's the one that's going to win. <laughs> right. Yeah, like Lord Croak, like makes an appearance in a dream to this guy. Like, yeah, wow. yeah. Basically, this city is is in a world of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's funny that he's there. Croak is there on that giant, <laughs> yeah, that giant thing that the model's on. But right. he's got an invis- he's invisible. <laughs> he's got an invisibility spell on him, so he yeah. just goes around and nobody sees him except right. Duralia. Right. Because she's already kind of spoken to him, and she knows that he's there. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't point it out to anybody. Mm-hmm. But he's just sort of floating. I'm certain some of the Stormcast know he's there. But he basically, let's not alarm the citizenry. I'm floating around doing my job, invisible. Right. Well, he like beefs up the gates with spells. You know, not not, you know, not Stormcast wizards. I mean, their spells are okay. This is this is Lord Croak spells. He's putting them on the gates. You know, this is this is this is the good stuff. Now, there's an interesting thing here, though. Um, she's there, you know, trying to talk to the different star priests, and things are going well. Um, you know, they're, he's there. He assures her that they're going to help with the defense of the city. What they didn't tell her is that Croak mm. has decided that Excelsis could totally be destroyed, and that's fine. <laughs> right. As long as Kragnos could be held there long enough for the realm gates of the Gurish heartlands to be sealed, mm. thereby confining the destructive god to the realm of beasts, rather than risking it threatening Azir, because even Croak knows that Azir is the one place that we that's got a hold. Yeah, you know, Sigmar, you love him or hate him, he's got the right plan if order is going to survive. Right. And Dracothian is the one who helped him, so you know that there's all these, like, they're sort of connected in that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, yeah, Excelsior may fall. We just have to make sure that he can't get, you yeah, can't he let can't this guy up. out of Gur. Right. And, God, then you get the picture of these models. And that quote model is just bananas. Yeah, it's cool. You know, it's, <sighs> there's, I don't want to start every army in Warhammer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I would love to play them all and stuff. And bu- I love building the models. I don't have the time. Yeah. I would never have time to paint them all. But it's like the Croak model, the Archaea. Like, the big, yeah. the giant centerpiece model for a lot of these armies. I it, This is one yeah. of those that I would just love to buy and build and paint just to have it. Yeah. Because it's so cool. But that's neither I, here nor there. I just need to circle base all my Seraphon in their set. There you go. <laughs> Because you have most of the armies, don't you? you have I have, lot. yeah, I have, yeah, I think I have all the armies. So. Wow, wow, <laughs> wow! That's so fantastic. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> well, hey, you've been playing for like almost thirty years. You should yeah. have most of the armies. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Not to mention all the forty k armies, and oh boy. Yeah, buddy. All right, so let's see. Um, 
so you've got all this. They're basically they know that 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 the, the horde, the, the the everything's coming. They're In calling. fact, they're so worried. They know that there's a green skin horn that the crystal fall where the Skaven have they've had that yeah. basically had them quarantined for a while. And although they're constantly going in there trying to, you know, exterminate them. Yeah, that's that is actually the lesser threat. That's how right. bad things are that yeah. the actual Skaven cordon in your city is not the big threat. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't even think they think the Skaven are there. Right. They just they just think that's that's the old Zinch part that got you know destroyed by Zinch is still under quarantine. It's fine. Yeah. That's true. And the quarantine wall that was built around there in the first place when the first mm-hmm. problems happened was built by the Duarden. This was yeah. this is gonna hold. So right. uh, so um two days after the Greenskins appeared to the west of the city, a ramshackle assemblage of masts flying the tusked tusked skull That's come the into orc view. Navy. You've got the Orc Navy coming. <laughs> um although a lot of them are just sort of disappearing because there's giant they're the sea monsters. They're yeah. sea monsters, and who cares? <laughs> you know, they don't care. They're just riding through it all. Um, now, as these guys are coming up, now the battle's starting. Right. Um, they start shooting at the big gargants in the front. Right. Uh, well, before we get to that, oh. I, the part I like about the oncoming horde part is it's sort of a sort of a callback to the, some of the other books. It's about how the Oryx were a foe they could understand. After fighting the mutating, twisted science of chaos and the scourge of the incorporeal night hunt and the wicked Nagash's thrice-cursed necroquake, the idea of fighting a foe whose principal asset was brute strength seemed almost a relief. I, I like that part, because... I'm glad you brought that up, because yeah. as you started reading it, I remembered it. And that's not yeah. one I had in my notes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm happy to fight Oryx. Yes, yeah, they're exactly. vicious, and yes, they'll kill you. But yeah. at least I know what I'm looking at with an exactly. orc. Exactly. Yeah. It's just it's it's not a demon. It's not a ghost. It's, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It's it's, it's flesh and blood. It bleeds. We can yeah. kill it. Like we I know what I'm facing. It. Exactly. I also like that a lot of the people living in this town. They mention, and I haven't heard them mention in a while. The reclaimed. Yes. That, These are that people. Is... Go ahead. Go ahead. That's a cool concept that we've seen it in a couple other spots, but the reclaimed are the people who lived in Gur bef- before Sigmar came back to take the realm it, back. Yeah, it's people who lived through yeah. the, the Age of Chaos. Yeah, or their descendants. Yeah. Maybe at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But so. Super cool. Yeah. They've fought all sorts of crap. Like they're they're oh, yeah. hardened peoples at this point. I'm like, how oh, yep. nice. Yeah. So basically, okay, and I'm not trying to give short shrift to this, but I don't want to hit every point in the battle. Like we're already yeah. hitting all there's so many things happening that we kinda have to hit and there's cool stuff. Yeah. But it's like they start fighting and they start first they're like, Oh, take those gargants out in the front and then they're yeah. shooting them and they're not dying, and it's like, oh, well, the we, trolls, right? Like, they don't the realize trolls. it. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> well, they don't realize they're they're trogoths. They're really, really big trolls. Yeah. So they thought they were the they regular gargants, yeah. uh, except that now they're wasting all this time shooting them, and they're just regenerating and still coming. It's like, uh oh, now we've got to make adjustments, and basically, yeah, it becomes a lot of stuff going back and forth. They start to see that they've got the battering ram, right? 
They start to see they've got the thing with the head on the top. Yeah. Um, the Western Gates on there. Uh, Lord Castellan, even Blade is is doing this. Um, now they do send the gyrocopters in, and the gyrocopters yep. are doing a great job. They got I thought the, that was cool. They've got the 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 wizard sending in a a, a, a mist a fog to sort of hide them. Yeah. Um, I do like that they come in and they're bombing things and it's all working. And then they start all of a sudden some of the gargants basically start picking up rocks and chucking yeah, boulders chucking at them and taking them out. Yeah. Um, they actually name one of them, right? The Scarlet Scourge. Yes. That's yeah. That's the the, <laughs> so the red ship. Baron kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Snoopy's going to come in behind him. <laughs> but so then they're flying the gyrocopters. They're causing all sorts of destruction. Then they start throwing boulders. So they so they, so they, they go up. They go up higher yeah. to get out of the way. And now they feel they're safe. And all of a sudden, as you put it, the Scarlet Scourge gets attacked. What happened? Yeah. Um, Gordrak. <laughs> Gordrak and Big Teeth just jumped. He had Big Teeth just jumped straight up in the air. Right. And it was apparently much higher than they thought he could jump. Yeah. Because I guess mall crushers don't really fly in the traditional sense. I don't think so. They sort of jump, yeah. Yeah. So he jumps straight up. He's got a he's got a really good vertical leap. <laughs> um and then Gartrek manages to get an axe in the side of the ship and just starts pounding on it. Yeah. This is just a little great scene. And I God, I just I love Gordrak. I really do. Like yeah. I he's just so much fun. Um he's the epitome of all wonderful things about about orcs. Yeah. Um they couldn't even hear the orders because once that happened, once Gordrak goes up there and starts doing this, they start screaming war. And right. the the war chant is so loud. It's drowning out orders. It's drowning out the horns that are signaling things. Mm -hmm. uh, it's getting crazy. So the battering ram's coming. Here comes Hammer Gord. Yeah, and he's like, you got to take that down. It's like the one, you know, it's like in Lord of the Rings when you got the one Olympic torch guy running, and they're like, yeah. take him down. Yeah. Which I love that, you know, <laughs> Legolas killed a, a, an, an oliphant. With two yeah. arrows in the back of the head, but two hundred yeah. elves couldn't stop that one naked that orc one running guy. with a torch. But I'm not going. <laughs> that's not. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> so, because like Gordrak is, he's counting on this hammer gourd to break down the gate. Yeah, like, that's that's the strategy. That like that's that's it. Wait, like, wait. Gordrak's strategy is go straight forward and smash. Is that what you're? <laughs> I just want to make sure that we've got his plan clear because it's that's, pretty involved. That's it. That's I just love the last sentence on this page. It's like <laughs> when the ram struck the rune inscribed gates of Excelsis with a force of two dozen gargants behind it. The runes flared, those traced upon it by Lord Croak, burning bright enough to blind. With an ear splitting crack, the skull of Hammergord shattered into a thousand pieces. <laughs> But before, I was not expecting that. I was not either. <laughs> I remember they said he put some some wards on the gate. Oh. But I'm like, oh boy. What I also love, and I, I just wrote here, I freaking love Gordrak, is these Gargans are all running this thing forward, right? Yeah. And they're going full bore. And the war energy is flowing. And the, you can't even hear anything. And all these orcs are behind it. And Gordrak and Big Teeth run, and they jump on top of the thing. They jump mm -hmm. on top of the battery ram. And he points his axes forward. Like, he is <laughs> yeah. just on, he's like, 
this, let's do this. It's just, he's so wonderful. He's on the battering ram while they're running it, and it explodes. <laughs> and he goes flying. Yes. Into the city or onto the top of the battlement. Mm-hmm. Well, and this, this is the thing. Gordrak understands, in, in for all of his lack of planning that we make fun of, he also yeah. knows that the whole getting that that war energy together, getting his guys to the best of their ability, they are yeah. not okay. They are not siege mentality warriors. They are not no. gonna. They if they start camping out there, they'll start fighting amongst themselves and eventually go away. Right. So did you ever? Yeah. Did, so do you remember that there was a a Warhammer uh, online game? You yes. Remember this game. I had do you remember it. the pro? Do you remember the promo for it? Yeah, it was basically this orc strapping himself to a like a cannon or sorry, a catapult, <laughs> just flying at the city. This reminded me of that. Yeah, it's just some <laughs> crazy stuff. I do remember that. Now that you yeah. mentioned that, that's great. I thought you were going to talk about there was that one story in one of the orc books from uh, from fantasy. Where they were outside the city and they were sieging and they were blasting at the walls and they were trying to get in and they like they said trying to get through, and they you know the humans had held them off that long and eventually as they're busting through they're busting through they 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 basically almost starved out the humans to the point yeah. where when they finally bust the doors open they get in there and they they're about to rampage and the general looks and they're all just sort of like there's nobody with even with oh, weapons, right. and he stops, yeah. And they're like they're all basically ready to die, and he's like, "They got no fight left in them. Right. This isn't let's, fun anymore. Let's go. Let's go." And they walk <laughs> away. I was like, "What? Yeah. What is happening?" I like that. Yeah, um, I remember that. So he knows he's got to get in there. So they go with the charge. Um, he he. Th- okay. When the battering ram blows up, it knocks him over the wall. Yeah. He lands onto on the, the battle. Onto the battlements. He's laying there <laughs> unconscious. Yeah, Big Teeth is laying on the ground outside. Um, this yeah. is crazy, and it says his one arm is twisted as a weird angle. Gore on his face. Basically, one of one of the humans finally gets up enough nerve to stab him with a spear, and he doesn't really move or respond. So now yeah. they get a little braver. They're like, "Oh goodness, we did this." Um, could the grand leader of the Oric Horde already be dead? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, no. <laughs> so now they're going through and they're they're try they're now they're now they're excited. They're like, we might be able to stop them. Um, of course Gar Gordrak gets up and starts beating humans. And then Mock Big Teeth hauled its ten ton bo- Big yeah. Teeth weighs twenty thousand pounds. <laughs> yeah. And he climbs over the wall, and then it's like, this is one of my favorite parts here. Another favorite part with Gordrak. Um, he gives a roar. The halberdier screamed. Gordrak, the, the scream from Big Teeth wakes up Gordrak. Right. He kind of gets up. He sits up. He looks around. He's got his weapons ready. He starts to fight. He hears a growl behind him, and he turns around, and Big Teeth has eaten some of the humans. And as he right. turns around, Big Teeth is getting ready to eat Gordrak. <laughs> He's going to eat Gordrak. And yeah. Gordrak just stares him down like, what are you thinking about? Like, it, right. it doesn't, it's so funny. Because, yeah. you know, like they talk about how these things, I mean, they are still... I mean, Big Teeth is tamed by Gordrak, but he's not yeah. tamed by any stretch right. of the imagination. The minute right. he thought Gordrak was hurt, he was going to eat him. 
<laughs> and Gordrak gives him the eye, the stink eye, like, don't yep. even think about it. And don't so he stops, looks at him, gets like lowers his haunches so he can get back on him yep. and get and back then, to fighting. And then gives that mighty war cry. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, But I just love that Big T was going <laughs> to eat him. And he just gives him a look. He's like, "Oh, okay. I thought you were. I thought I was going to eat you, but I guess I'm wrong." <laughs> and then Kragnos finally shows up, and Kragnos, uh, they're shooting magic at him. They're shooting, but nothing's working. Nothing's working. Um, they actually shoot a couple of rockets from a Hellstrom right. battery at him, and they hit him square in the chest. Yeah. And as he's running, he's just trailing smoke and burning. Right. And it's just like and it's a living just, meteor, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just on fire, running around. Great. Um, he hits the wall so hard that basically a big entire section just falls apart. Right. Then he turns and he basically he gets the part open and then he runs along the wall. With just his mace, yeah, yeah, just hitting it with the mace and with and shouldering parts of it, like he's just. Right. Now that he's got a crack open it, he's just running along it, just knocking it all down. Right. Uh, and it, of course, and 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 whatever he's not knocking down with his mace, as he's running full gallop, the ground underneath the wall is all cracking and crumbling. So the wall yep. is starting to collapse that way. And then is revealed the sort of the Skaven end game here, right? <laughs> right. The whole setup of the Skaven invasion is revealed here. Half mile section of the wall just collapses because right. they've tunneled under it. Right, they've undermined it. Oh. So there you go. So this is happening. Now. Meanwhile, and meanwhile, oh, by the way, <laughs> meanwhile remember, in the Crystal Fall. <laughs> yeah, remember the Slanesh stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's time for them to come out. Mm-hmm. and offer a symphony of panic and savagery to their patron god. Now, I like this thing with the... with. Is this the part where they've got the uh, the all the little... The, the mirrors and the... Uh, yeah. The, the butterfly things with the weird yeah. colors, which are the souls of all the elves that they're sending through to feed Slanesh? This is yeah, just like... Yeah, that's like the naked elven corpses hung upside down from the walls. Yeah, that part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So now the demons are just pouring out into the city. And guess what? There's nobody there to fight them because right. they're all at yeah. the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting that a lot of them are coming out and with their power to ensorcel minds, um, the, right. the people are just seeing them and just joining in. You don't even have to kill them. So many of them, like some are fighting them, and they're pretty easy pickings, but the ones who aren't fighting are just starting to dance mm-hmm. behind them. I wonder if this is sort of like the, is that the musk, you know, the slaneshi sort of? Part of it, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think they mentioned that. But that's kind of like what the fiends of slanesh do, right? They have the the musk of, that confuses people. and yeah. And yeah, because yeah, that's what a lot of even when they see the demonettes, it's like they start mm-hmm. to get that that weird fantasy. That those who witnessed Dexessa's splendor or heard Senessa's clarion oratory gawped, their souls taken by a twisted version of love at first sight, and yeah. emerged from their hiding places to join the procession, just dancing and following alongside them. They would claim their seat. Uh, the, the, so they're actually going to like the the yeah. They're going to the main center of the city right. where all of the, the gu- 
The government right, is. Where the government is, exactly. They're going to claim the seat of its power all but unopposed, and from there turn Kragnos and his hordes into their devoted servants. That seems really naive and yeah, stupid. Not like, quite sure how well they thought that part out, but hey, that's their plan. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna take these guys. Uh, we're gonna make them. Um, you know what? I don't think your powers of seduction and and play is gonna work on on orcs. <laughs> the and, god of earthquakes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see what else is going on here. So then, so now the stormcasts are just. It's time for their counterattack. Here they come. Yeah, they come in, blitzing right. in there. Lightning's fighting here and here. Gor four Stormcast, four armored Stormcast are going against a weakened Gordrak, who right. is now fighting for his life. Right. So these are the these are the protectors, right? These are the Stormcast paladins, the protectors with the big spears. Yes, that's who these guys are. These are you know they do like damage three to monsters thing so they're trying to i think they're trying they're, they're duplicating that sort of narrative here um and basically he's fighting uh big teeth crushed two of them yeah and then gordrak just makes short work of the rest of them because that's not happening yes yeah because yeah, he's gordrak yeah um it takes almost an entire warrior chamber to take down six gargants Right. Which now that's not mega gargants. That's gargants. That's the regular yeah. giants, right? Six gargants, correct. Yep, that's right. Okay. They're still pretty. They're still. I mean, a gargant is still pretty good. I mean, it's like. Oh sure, yeah. but still, uh, all this is going on. A score of ma Okay, this I love. So the orc boats are coming into the harbor. <laughs> yeah. And. As the boats are coming there, you see, they're, as they're getting closer, a lot of the orcs, the boats are getting crushed and stuff. The orcs are just jumping off the boats and, like, swimming for shore at this point, yep. ready to get in a fight. But then some of the weirdest thing happens. Some of the boats start to raise up out of the water. Right. And you realize that 20, a score, which is 20, mega gargants mm. come out of the waves, each wearing the remnants of shattered rafts and galleons as mantles. So they've yeah. almost got them on as like hats. Yeah. So this is their disguise. This is, this is this is Scragrot's plan now. Yes. Yeah. Scragrot had a couple of really clever plans in here. In fact, mm -hmm. I know one of the when he said he was doing some stuff, they had mentioned how they had hired those ogres mercenaries, yeah. and I'm like, oh, that's yeah. not going to go well. Whenever you hire mercenaries to come in, <laughs> they actually mentioned them in here, and they actually. Mm -hmm. They didn't turn on the city of Excelsis. Yes, they did. They did? Yeah, it says they... I thought they... No, they was coming in. In fact, I forget where it is in the book. Maybe it's a little later it's in here. Hmm. But it says that they were doing that, and then Scragrot lets off a little noise, and then the hundred ogres that oh. were holding their place turned around and oh, stopped fighting right. the orcs and went after the storm cast. That's right. Ugh. Um... <laughs> And I love this part, too. So you got 20 Mega Gargans, Kraken Eaters, coming out of the water. The Astral Templars scream out in joy. This is a battle that's going to be remembered, and it's going to be, you know, this is they're going to sing songs about this. I love that the Astral Templars look at 20 Mega Gargans coming at them, and they're like, yes, this yes. is going to be a fight. <laughs> so now, like, so Kragnos is kind of running amok now. Yes, he is. He's, he's he's through. He's just in the city, and he's just destroying stuff. Well, he gets up to the main gate. 
Yeah. The main gate that where remember remember the giant the 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 god beast head that blew up hitting it? Yeah. Kragnos just rears back full force, puts both feet his front his front yeah. hooves and his mace his into mace. it and blows the doors apart. Right. And so now they're coming in, which you find out is part of Croak's plan. Yeah. Cuz Croak realizes you leave them outside, all that wah energy and stuff, they're going to be unstoppable. If they get into the city and they start breaking into smaller groups, right? That will, the, right. Yeah. Cuz the city is a labyrinth, you know, so it breaks them apart. Yeah. That'll dissipate. Um he's in there. You got the mega gargans coming in. The beauty is that the black arcs come back. Right. And with the black arcs coming back, they start those 20 mega gargants that are going to destroy the city, they start shooting them with poisoned, um, you know, um, harpoons. harpoons, yeah. Poison harpoons, which are hitting them in the back and irritating them. It's the poison that's starting <laughs> to take them down. It's not a giant harpoon. It's the poison that's starting to burn and irritate them. So the yeah. gargants turn back around in the water and go after the black arc. Right. But they get stopped because guess who shows up? Mm-hmm. Marathi. Oh boy! I th- oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't see that coming either. I was not. I did not. Re- I forgot about her. To be honest, like I wasn't. Ex- <laughs> I mean, I just. I wasn't expecting. Why is she going to show up? But yeah. she does on the yeah. ark with all these witch elves, and the witch elves are going in and cutting stuff up. Yeah, Marathi shows up. Now, what happens next? Uh, let's see. Um, Daughters of Cain are doing their job. The Vendensed and the Sigmar guys are doing their job. Everybody's doing all this stuff. Um, the Vendensed right. and 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 the uh, the White Reaper they get to the hall where the Slaneshi gods are coming from. Exactly. The grant they're in the uh, yeah I guess sort of the the city that conclave center. hall. Yeah. Yeah, conclave hall. Yeah. Um, most humans it, it says would have run away or at least would have vomited. Mm-hmm. Um, which just gives you the strength of these two. The Vendents didn't do either. Right. Um, before her was a giant winged demigod, so beautiful and awful, it hurt to look at it. I love when they do that, where it's looking at the Zinchi stuff, sometimes people start to go insane. Right. It's painful to look at this. It's so beautiful that it's it's painful. Um, I also like... Go ahead, go, go, go. No, it's just that this, I mean, this is the section just kind of like where the, I guess the forces of order sort of started to take control of the battle again. You know, because Marathi's here, um, they sort of, they, you know, they, they work now, the, the witch hunters work together and they are able to, you know, they, they defeat. The two Slaneshi demons, basically, you know, through their faith, which is cool. There are some cool things that happen, though. When you get in there, mm-hmm. you've got what's left of, like, the royal court or whoever's in charge of the city just yeah. dancing on the tables for the pleasure of the two Slaanesh gods. Right. And um, they come in and they drop a couple of arrows in uh, on them and, dis- and cause them enough pain to distract them. Right. And then suddenly the... That that breaks their spell on the, the warriors, which who then break apart their amber bone necklaces and instantly mm-hmm. uh, growing more animalistic as the realmstone magic unleashed the beast within, and they go after Senessa. They all attack her. Yeah, 
Um, basically, everything's fighting. Um, the one cool thing is she does uh they're as they're fighting she the white reaper goes after uh dexessa mm-hmm. uh dexessa rips his arm out rips his arm off at the socket cuts his throat um he's about to lose he is one of these he, he does have his lantern though mm-hmm. and as she opens his mouth and she's laughing and screaming at him and fighting him he takes the lantern jams it down into her throat yeah, and then says the incantation, the thing that right. that the that the knight Azir can uh, you know can banish demons with. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It basically explodes her head. Yeah, it's cool. It's very <laughs> cool. Um, and he dies doing it though, or he goes back. He he turns well, yeah, to lightning. They yeah, turn into lightning, and yep, off they go. Yeah. So they're both gone. The Vendensed, uh so there, uh, he's got a stake in her one chest with Sigmar Unberogen etched upon it, and she bursts into a thousand butterflies and is gone too. Right. And they basically just shoot her a bunch. So they're gone, and this is it. Like the book's over, yeah. pretty much. Right. I mean, we're into the well, not a hundred percent. We're into the final narrative that they. But it's all in italics. This is all epilogue stuff. Right. Like the actual narration of this story is done. Which right. I think is so odd. Uh, it, yeah, because they haven't even dealt with Kragnos yet. No, and they deal with him in a in a two page. In fact, this, okay, this 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 is the type of stuff I like to do the dramatic readings of. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like two pages, and then there's four half page. There's basically about four pages of wrap up here. Yes. Um, and it's just this. If there's anything wrong with the story, it's how they deal with Kragnos. They basically. <laughs> Okay, trick him. <laughs> yeah, Marathi goes to fight him, which is a great thing. Oh like, yeah, that's a great, that's a great fight. I mean, just the fact that she can turn the beastie part of her into shadow, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden this smoke wraps around him and then solidifies into the Marathi, the big monstrous one. Yeah, and yeah. they're fighting, but they can't do anything. She's throwing magic at him; it's not happening. Croak's throwing magic at him, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah no, mm-hmm. um, it it's basically not working. They can't stop." And uh, she she notices in this she 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 realizes Croak is there even though he's invisible. Yeah, that's cool. And she calls him out by name. Croak of Lustria. Yep. She called to the strange hovering celestilith and its mummified occupant. Okay. Yep. Um, she's a trap, a hole in reality. I shall place the bait. And she's yeah. screaming this, and Kragnos is so involved that he doesn't even hear. What's happening? But mm-hmm. basically, he opens up a, a portal. Yeah, and she <laughs> and 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 she weaves uh, a a um, like an illusion. An illusion. Yeah. Uh, it basically looks like uh, the dragon. And here's the interesting part: she's heard of the draconith in her travels through the realms, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, apparently, she's a bit of a historian on the. Dra- she knows that about right. this. She's she traveled to his to these places. She knows what's happened. Yeah. So she knows that the one thing that will distract him from this is to make it look like there are Draconith alive and well somewhere. Mm-hmm. So he they, they, basically this is the trick that they pulled on Sigmar to make him lose Galmaraz. Yeah. Uh, and they <laughs> pull it. They made him throw the hammer at something that wasn't there. Yeah. So yeah. he goes charging at the Draconith and goes through the 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 portal. And he winds up on the far side of Gur. Mm-hmm. 
which saves the city from his destruction and his wrath. Yeah, I, I kind of get the feeling that maybe Kragnos thought maybe it was just time to go. I don't know. <laughs> he just says, the living earthquake looked around himself one last time, drinking in the spectacle of the tumbled, burning city. It's almost like I've had enough and just he just takes off. I'm not... <laughs> I guess. I mean, I'm not certain. Like, do they trick him? Because he does look at her. He's like, this isn't over. But he sees, yeah. I haven't finished you, but that's more important. They still tricked him into leaving. Yes. And that's basically what it boils down to is they tricked him into leaving. Um, okay. Then we get four four epilogues. Yeah. If anyone ever complained that the end of the Lord of the Rings movies had too many endings, this goes <laughs> through. Um, you get Scarbrand is in Slanesh's realm. Or Bellacor. I mean, sorry, Bellacor. Yeah. Bellacor is in Slanesh's realm, and they, they basically the two, the two, the two are there, uh, Dexessa and Celessa, and they're. Yeah. Um, so they've never been there before. No, because they're just born, and this is not a. This is what they love it here. Yeah. But he's like, uh, you guys kind of suck, and they're like, huh? We sat on the throne. He's like, you sat on the throne for an hour. <laughs> right. Like, what? Get out of here. <laughs> um, I love that. I love that he just kind of laughs at them. And he's like, yeah. there's more There's more that's going to be happening here. Um, and then and they, they kinda, then they mentioned the, the cursed skies that Bellacor put up. I mean. Right. And how it's spreading. We didn't, we didn't see it in Gur, but apparently it's still spreading across the realms. The thing that makes the Stormcast not able to lightning bolt back to Azir. Right. And they also sort of make fun of him. They're like, at least we didn't get taken out by a dwar a Dwarden. He's like, that was no normal Dwarden. Shut yeah. your mouth. That was a god. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that I like that too. Then we cut cool. back to Teclis, who had nothing to do with this book. Mm -hmm. uh, he's basically sitting in his little uh, you know, uh, meditation bubble. Mm-hmm. Kind of thinking about what's happening. And then the voice of Nagash comes in and he's like, I'm still gonna kill you. And he's like, Nah, yeah. shut up. And he's like, You have to die eventually, and then I'll have you. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. Um This was the one that this was the one of the epilogues that I was just like, um, okay. Um just because but it's, it's it's I think it's interesting because Nagash is able to talk to get to him wherever he is. And I don't think Teclas knew that so he's kind of like uh-oh like like how, how is nagash able to speak to him in his little pocket that's true well who yeah. knows it's nagash i mean he is pretty mm -hmm. powerful wizard but yeah maybe something happened it is interesting mm -hmm. but uh yeah he's talking to even selenar's like yeah do you yeah uh, normally he enjoys those conversations with selenar but now he's kind of irritated yeah, well, it's because he, he says, because Tekla says, you have no power over me, said Teclas, but something in his tone betrayed him. Hmm. It's interesting. Um, I wonder if when he teleported into Teclas's bubble and sort of attacked yeah. him, if, if something happened. Right. Um, then you get this one. Uh, oh, basically, um, you get some of the cruel boys. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're sitting there. He's he's stolen a little pocket telescope from one of the humans that he killed. Right. Uh, he, so he got the cool job of being the lookout. Yeah, and he sees the city falling down. One of the city, the human city nearby that he hates, crumbling. And as he yeah. puts on the the thing, he sees Kragnos. 
Right. And basically goes down and he's pointing. He's in this tree. It's an interesting. This one's an interesting bit. It's got this stuff about this tree that they're in and how they've got all these bodies around it and stuff. But there's stuff carved on it. Mm-hmm. And he goes down and tells one of the one of the the wizard guys, uh, and he po- and he points at it, and he's the weird boy, and he's like this thing, and he points at the mm-hmm. picture of Kragnos carving the tree. He's like that guy's here. It's the beast. It's the beast, which is kind of cool. Like oh, yeah. like they they there's a prob- They know he's coming apparently, mm-hmm. which yeah. I think will make for some interesting stuff once we get their story. Once because I'm assuming we're going to get an army book for them. They're in the new, unless they do another. Another orc war clan book with well, it's, all of it says all they're the going to be part of the orc war clans. I thought they said that at the Warhammer preview. So I'm assuming, I'm assuming there's going to be in the next month or so a Stormcast book and an orc war clan book coming out. That's what I was thinking as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, best part here is when Marathi Kane just goes into the Conclave Hall and she mm-hmm. walks in and there's. There's a per- there's not many people there, not as many as could be, but there's someone from every group, including like yeah. the poor people group, the rich people group, the engineers, mm-hmm. this, and there's a Celestin Prime sitting there. Yeah, um, she's like, oh, I see. Sigmar didn't feel like he needed to show up, and she's like, okay, yeah. Um, but then this is this is my favorite part is basically they commit they accuse her of treason. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, you engineered a coup of the Anvil Guard, and she's like, yeah, so what? Like, right. And uh, you know what? What are you going to do? Here? Yeah. It worked out. Yeah. I have. And I'm. what I'm doing is for is is for the betterment of all of us. How you know, who are you to say it's not? Yeah. Um. Then it starts getting getting edgy. You know, and she, he's like, you, you admit you stole it. And she's like, I'm a goddess. I can do what I want. And that's he mm-hmm. picks up the hammer. She gets ready to go. Yeah. There's going to be a fight. It looks like it. And all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> he goes. There can be only one course. The Celestine Prime goes. I came a booming voice filling the hall. I lad, and it's clemency. clemency. Right. A white bearded okay. dwarden thumped into the room. His footsteps carrying the weight of eons. He was huge and bristling with power. The great maker breathed the Ironwell dwarden delegate, scrabbling out of his seat. My lord Grungeny. Oh man. He knelt low as the newcomer took his place. None other, said the Dwarden Guard. Right, enough bickering, you lot. We've got work to do. He calls <laughs> him awesome. you lot. I'm like, yeah. oh, Master Engineer, <laughs> so happy. Uh, we've got work to do, and that's it. Now yeah. it's over. I <laughs> thought that I loved that little bit there. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I don't even. I don't even know what that means. Like. We, hey, we've got work to do. He's showed up. He knows things are going to get bad. This is where you're going to hear about the new armor he's built for Sigmar. We're going to hear about all the stuff. I just want to. I just want a new Dwarden book. Ugh. Right? Like a like Kazalid Empire book. It's gonna oh, have. Wouldn't it be so great? Fire Slayers in there. Going to have Caradron in there. It's going to have the Dispossessed in there. Maybe they'll call him something else now. Who knows? But it's going to be awesome. Because he's going to mm-hmm. unite them, I think. I, I, I can see that happening very easily. Yeah. Yep. All right. You know what? Let's take one last break. Yep. And then when we come back, let's talk about some of these new War Scrolls. Because there's some there's some cool, fun stuff in them. And I wouldn't. I, yeah. I, I would be remiss not to discuss them at all. Cool.
Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we're back, and we're back with some more scrolls. Oh my goodness, this stuff. Let's talk about Kragnos. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, now he's he is included. Uh, he can be in any army whose general has the destruction keyword. He's treated as a general in addition to the chosen army general. Right. Which basically means all that extra, you know, any area affect things can be done from him at a general's range. Right. Um, little box here. You can include him in a destruction army even if he doesn't have the army's keyword on his war scroll. He can't use or benefit from any of that army's allegiance abilities, and you can't include any mercenary units in your army. Basically, it's a lot like Gotrek. Uh, he's, mm -hmm. he's a special character. You can put him in any destruction army, but if you do that, he doesn't get any bonuses, and he's the only ally you can take. Right. I uh, mean... I mean, he's just, you know, he's a combat monster. It's, but uh, yeah. his main issue, he's 760 points. Yeah. <laughs> which is, a, I think it's kind of a lot for what oh, he does. I, I don't know, though. I mean, come on, 18 wounds. He's got a two-up save. Um, let, We'll go into some of what his weapons and stuff can do. He yeah, he's, I mean, he he can move anywhere from ten to seven inches depending on his wounds, mm -hmm. and then let's see. He's got his bellow of rage at the end mm -hmm. of any phase. If any wounds were allocated to this model and not negated, mm -hmm. roll a die for each other unit and each defensible terrain feature within six inches. Mm -hmm. If it's greater than or equal to the bellow of rage value that unit suffers d3 mortal wounds or the terrain is demolished so if right. in any phase you do wounds to him he's going to scream so loud that he hurts some of your guys and he destroys terrain now it right. only happens on a five up for the first half and oh his wounds suffered chart he's got 18 wounds when we talk about things diminishing on him Right. His first section is zero to nine wounds, so he doesn't yeah. drop it all until he's got half dead. Half more, right. And then it's every three wounds after that, 10 to 12, 13 to 15, 16 up. As mm -hmm. he starts getting weaker, that, that bellow of rage gets on down to like a two plus. Right. Uh, um, and then it explains about the terrain features that can be destroyed. Reroll charge rolls and hit rolls when he's within 12 inches of any star drakes, drakes, dracoths, or dracolines, which makes me think that that drac the 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 dragon race that he hates is definitely related to those. Oh, to, to the dracoth riders. Sure. Yeah, because he gets to reroll charge rolls and hit rolls against those guys. 
Mm-hmm. When he makes a charge, you can roll a die for any every unit that's within an inch, or pick a monster and roll two uh, d six. I mean, against the against the monsters, it's it's kind of nuts what he can do. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's a lot. Two yeah. d you roll two d six, multiply the dice together. That's how many mortal wounds he does. <sighs> that's crazy. <laughs> he could do thirty six mortal wounds to something. Yeah. Um, if it's if it's just now it's now if there is no monster you can either do one monster or all the enemy units within an inch. So if he charges right into the middle of a battle, plus considering the size of his base, he could be in uh, multiple units. Uh, on a two up, they take d6 mortal wounds if you're not going after right. a monster. Right. Okay. Which is, okay. I mean, so he does. I mean, that's just and then his shield obviously is how he you know his spells are pretty. They don't. I mean, it's. They're kind of useless against him, traditional spells. I mean, he rolls 3d6. The roll is greater than the casting value of that spell. Ignore the effect. And and then it says it's not the casting value that you roll on the dice. It's just whatever the spell gets cast on. Yeah, it's not the casting casting roll. It's the value of the spell. It's crazy. So, but that's not how you take care of, that's not how you deal with Kragnos. You don't cast spells out. You just do a bunch of mortal wounds to him. He has no defense against mortal wounds at all. That's true. So if you he can get nothing. mortal wounds across, you can do eighteen of them to uh, him. I mean, I mean, ugh, there are there are definitely units in Warhammer that can do that over a couple of rounds, um, and then sure, you can, and then he's just he's he's one guy who's going to be a big chunk of your army that you can basically screen off with. Small units. You know what I mean? It, yeah, and I guess when you point that out, I'm looking at this, and he's got all these cool things, but he doesn't mm-hmm. have a way to stop taking those mortal wounds, which... He has nothing. With the he size of and his... He and he can't heal himself? That's true. With the size of his base, I could drop in a bunch of Stormcast with the doing two mortals on sixes. Yeah, like ten evocators, I yeah. think, would, would wreck poor Kragnos. Now, he does have... I mean, and that's true. Wow. For, for 760 points, mm-hmm. you can't hurt him with magic, basically. Not really. Not really. Um, if he gets a charge off, he's going to kill your monsters. He's going to destroy stuff. And everybody except yeah. uh, uh, Nighthaunt's going to have a bunch of monsters in the game. Right. Uh, let's see. All of his all of his weapons hit on threes, wound on twos. Mm-hmm. His mace I mean, has six attacks, three rend, four damage. Right. Tusk Breaker has three attacks, two rend, D3 damage, and he starts off with six hoof attacks. They drop down to three hoof attacks, and that's one rend and two damage. This right. guy, is, if, if um, you, yeah, I mean. He's going to kill whatever he's fighting. And that's, but, but that's but, sort but of the problem, fight, isn't it? Yeah, if he's, if, he's, if he's fighting, you know, four units of ten chain rasps over the course of the game because you kind of make that happen as the night haunt player just here fight this stuff here fight this thing here fight this thing and then he's you know he's he can only he can only run he doesn't fly he can't get around a screen if you really don't I want mean, it that's true I, I and i see what you're saying mm-hmm. but even that stuff it's like he he can t- i mean the amount of the with a couple of decent rolls, the amount of damage he can deal out. Oh, I'm not. Dis- I'm just saying 
that you just throw him stuff that you don't care if it dies and just keep him busy for four turns out of five. You're going to have to. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's the thing, though, is you're going to have to feed this guy yeah. parts of your army. Right. Um, it's That's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, we did get new rules for the Loon Shrine. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, uh, you don't have to take Battle Shock if you're near it. And then at the start of each of your turns, you can pick destroyed units, and 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 on a four up, you can bring them back at half strength. Right, Depending but they added. On, yeah, go ahead. They added the spider riders, the squigs. And the Trogoths to this. Yeah, depending on who your general is, you have to pick certain things to bring back. So basically, it now works for just about everything in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, they got some new allegiances for the for the. Yep. But you know what? I don't. We've been doing. We've already been doing the whole show. I don't want to give short shrift to this, but basically. If you're playing, you know, they have the Jaws of Mork for your Goom Spike Gits. They've got Glog's uh, Mega Mob. Glog was the one of the front guys. He was actually mm-hmm. a troll we didn't talk too much about. We kind of skipped him. But, yeah, man, did, did he kill a lot of stuff. They cut his legs off. He was sitting there screaming, <laughs> yeah. smashing stuff. Glog was pretty tough. He took down a yeah. bunch of Stormcast before he went out. Yeah, these, these are, I think these are pretty good uh, additions. The to the squig, abilities? To, yeah, to the Squig army and to the Troll army or the Trogoth army. That that they got they needed some help and they got it. And this yeah, the Spider Fang army. Mm-hmm. I just and I'm I'm not trying to I'm not trying to ignore it. It's just, you know, they're all pretty good. If you're interested in this in these armies, it's right here though. Mm-hmm. You can talk you can go through it and look at it. Um Alarial has got her Updated rules, and I'm assuming these are updated for for you know now for the the new edition of the game. Yeah, she's got some great stuff. Oh man, she's good. Oh. So six, yeah, sixteen wounds with a three up save, and let's go through some of her cool abilities. Uh, obviously, right. she can fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, life in your hero phase, you can heal up to two d six wounds allocated to this that's, this model. That's amazing. And you can heal D3 wounds allocated to each other friendly Sylvaneth unit wholly within 30 inches of this model. That right there is bananas. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, within 30 inches. The, the, if she's near the middle of the battlefield, she is healing D3 units. Is this, is this, what, is this where the story's going for third edition? Now that, now that the... Uh, now that the death magic is waning and the life magic is getting strong, is this what we're going to see? Because this is great. You know, for everyone who says, oh, no, we're susceptible to mortal wounds in my Sylvaneth army, sure you are. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. And now guess what? We're going to heal wounds left and right. And that that range is fantastic, too. 30 inches. 30 inches. D3 (laughs) wounds. Uh, Let's see. Roll a die for each enemy unit within an inch after she charges on two to five. It takes so she's yeah she's basically you know she's got uh, uh, impact hits once per battle at the end of the movement phase. She can summon up a unit uh, twenty dryads all the way up to a tree lord. <laughs> so, oh okay, right. She can retreat and shoot or charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's twenty points cheaper than Kragnos. Oh, that's true. <laughs> um, 
and she's got that talent of the dwindling. Yeah. Uh, every time uh, a wound inflicted by it is allocated to an enemy model and not negated, roll a yeah. die each time a wound is inflicted and not negated. So that's for every wound, right? Roll a dice each time a wound inflicted by this mouth. Yeah, it's allocated. Yeah. So if the talent yeah. of dwindling does like three wounds, then you'd roll three dice, I'm assuming. On a six, it's slain. Yeah. On a one to five, that wound is negated, though. That's interesting. It either kills you or it doesn't do any damage to you. Right. That's a that's an interesting uh, thing there. Yeah, I don't think we've seen a rule like that before. Yeah. And then she's got some magic. Uh, she can cast Metamorphosis on a 7, pick an enemy unit, roll a number of die equal to the casting roll. For each 3-up, it does a mortal wound. In addition, if the unit's destroyed, you can set up a Wildwood there. Nice. Uh, yeah, and her command ability is uh, at the start of the combat phase, reroll wound rolls of 1s for friendly Sylvaneth units wholly within 14 inches. And we haven't even talked about her basic attacks. Right, and the big critter she's riding around now. Yeah. So she can actually, she's got 16 wounds with the three of sailors. She can start moving 16 inches. Mm-hmm. Okay. The spear, it's one attack, twos by twos, two rend, and it starts at six damage, dropping down. Six damage. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She's got... Four attacks. Now, her talent of dwindling. Now, it's funny. She actually for, she has all the magic and all the healing, which is in, I, I, I like that she does a lot of healing, and her spear can do up to six damage. Her only real weapon is that talent, which either kills you or huh. doesn't do anything to you. Because on a six, it's six it's, it's, you're slain. Mm. On a one to five, the wound is negated. Now, I suppose it's four attacks. If you only have one or two wounds, I suppose it could just kill outright. But for for bigger models, it, it you know yeah. it, it either kills you or it don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, she could still use the spear in close combat. So where? Because it's a, it's just a missile weapon, so she can use it when she's in combat. If, as long as she's fighting, she uses it against the unit she's fighting. She can still use it. Oh yeah, I mean, the, 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 but you, you can't use it, and it's not a melee weapon though. Her only melee no. weapon is that talon. Now, Correct. of course, of course, the beetles got the antlers. Yeah, two rend, uh, five damage. Rend two, five damage. That's yeah, four good. attacks, so it's not bad. Um, no. but she's just a healing beast. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two d six wounds. Yeah, yeah. Sh- that's 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 really cool. Um. I think you're going to see her more often on the table now. I mean, not to mention, she can also cast Mystic Shield on herself. Oh, that's right. Two plus save. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what else have we got? The War Song Revenant. This this thing's not bad either. Seven wounds. No, it's, it's cool. And it's only got a five-up save, but seven wounds. It's got an eight-inch move. It can fly. Uh, plus one to bravery of friendly units, wholly within 12 inches of uh, mo- this model. Minus one bravery of enemy units within 12 inches of the model. So it's an eight bravery. It gives it. So it's basically it's a nine bravery because it, mm-hmm. it it's within 12 inches of itself. Yep. And then um, oh goodness, sorry. Hold on. Sorry. Yeah, you're breaking up. Yeah, I'm just trying to fix it here. Um. It's got a four-up ward save, basically, uh, 
plus one to casting, dispelling, and unbinding for this model when it's within nine inches of a wood. Awakened one, yeah. 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 Um, and then and, it's and got... It's like, and it's a cast two unbind one, which is pretty awesome. Right. Um, it's Unleashed Swarm of Spites. It goes off on a seven. Roll a number of dice equal to the casting roll. This is interesting that you're getting to roll dice equal to your casting roll for this. And that yeah. Alarial had that same rule. Going back to that whole, that the power of life in Gyran. Mm-hmm. The better mm-hmm. your roll, the more it's working, the yeah. better it, the better you, the, then the better the effect of it is. Um, roll a number of dice equal for each enemy unit within nine inches, and for every five up, it takes a mortal wound. It's on five ups. It's not going to do a ton. But once again, this thing has a three-inch range on its weapon. Five attacks, threes by threes, one ren, two damage. Yeah, it's good. It's a pretty decent hero wizard. With Yeah, he's good. Seven wounds, a five-up save. It's got a three-inch range. You can screen him behind something. Mm-hmm. And Alarial's going to heal back D3 wounds to this guy every turn anyway. Right. That's pretty cool. You could always give him... You know, the endless spell, the sure thing with the healing one. You can just run that behind these guys, oh, too. Yeah. And he's 270. He's 275 points, which seems like that's that's kind of a lot. Yeah, I'm wondering if some of these points adjustments are going to take into account the, the amount of... Uh, the amount of... Uh, that healing that's going to go on with it, mm-hmm. with it and that and that and that uh four he's got a five up save and a four up ward though so it's like it's, it's really good yeah it's not bad i would assume these points are going to go up though in the the new edition too i don't know i did i did get i don't i don't have it next to me but i got the uh the general's handbook gw was nice enough to send it to me mm. i'll have to look them up and see what they're they are let's talk about the two Slanesh got. Let's start with yeah. Dexessa. Mm-hmm. Um, and their stats are not the same, which I think is interesting. Um, they both have a 12-inch move, 10 bravery, and a 4-up save, but Dexessa has 10 wounds as opposed to the 9 that Yeah, Sinus I wonder, wonder what the reasoning behind that was. They're slightly different. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> yeah. So let's see. Uh it can, uh, and there seems to be a lot of this in this book too. It can run or retreat and still charge mm-hmm. in the same turn. Uh, after it's fought for the first time, at the start of each battle round, okay, after this model has fought for the first time, at the start of each battle round, add one to the attack characteristics for the rest of the battle, the effects cumulative. Mm-hmm. So you want to get it fighting as soon as possible because if it does, then every turn after it, it's, it's and it's got two different attacks. So it's going to go from six attacks to eight attacks to ten attacks. Right. Yeah, to its weapons, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, and mine... it's, minus, it's minus one hit, which is always good. And no battle shock for this or and for friendly units wholly within 12 inch. In addition, once per turn, it can issue a command to a friendly demon unit without a command point being spent. Hmm. I mean, that's, this is, that's pretty good. Yeah, so this is the fighty one. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the magic-y one. Yeah, and it's, I mean, all the attacks, it's, you know, twos by threes, one ren, two damage, threes by, so it's it's not too bad. Mm-mm. The magic-y one, yeah, one less wound. Uh, minus one to hit this one as well. Uh, the staff, which is its missile, it's got an 18-inch range and one attack, but how it works is um, do not pick a target 
or use the attack sequence. Instead, pick an enemy unit within range of the staff, which is 18 inches. The opposing player must roll a die for that unit. If the roll is less than the unit's save, but not a six, it suffers D6 mortal wounds. If it's greater than the save, but not a six, it takes D3 mortal wounds. If you roll a six, nothing happens. So you're gonna. It, it, it's it's just it does some mortal wounds if you can if it you know depending on what you roll. Uh, what else? Uh, but the, you know that that gets around all kinds of rules. Oh yeah. I mean, you can just pick anybody. Pick a unit within eighteen inches and just roll for your save. So I mean, you don't have to. You don't roll to hit, so you're not affected by. Look out, sir, or any of that stuff. Nope. So you're sniping people with that thing. And it's funny. Uh, if, if less than your save characteristic. So uh, people with crummy saves are going to take D6 mortals. People with good saves are going to take D3 mortals. Even right. your two-up save. This isn't a spell, by the way. No. So like it's even like attack. yeah, even like Kragnos yeah. he, with his two-up save, he'll take a D, he'll take D3 as long as he doesn't roll a six. Right. Um. If this model, okay, it's got the voice of Slanesh. Okay, she's the voice, as we said. If she issues a command to a friendly unit, that friendly unit can be anywhere on the battlefield as long as it's visible to the model. So, if there's a, a if there's a, a range limit to a command, she doesn't have to pay attention to right. it. I guess. Right. If she issues a command to more than one friendly unit, one of those units can be anywhere on the battle. So only one unit. It, so it works once, basically. Right. Right. In addition, if she successfully casts Whisper of Doubt or Pavane of Slanesh from the book, the hero affected by the spell can be anywhere on the battlefield as long as it's visible. So, wow, suddenly her range is all over the place. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Um, and then her special, her special spell, Whisper of Doubt, goes off on a six. Pick an enemy hero within three inches of the caster, invisible, and roll a 3d6 if it's Equal to or greater than their bravery, plus one to hit for attacks that target that hero. So you're picking an enemy hero, and if you can roll higher than their bravery, you're plus one to hit them until your next hero phase. Anyway, right, and it's and it's and it's anywhere on the table because that's nope. the, the that's the second part of. It. In addition, if this model oh, successfully right. casts Whispers of Doubt, the hero affected by the spell can be anywhere on the battlefield as long as that hero is visible. That's interesting because I'm that they make the rule three inches mm-hmm. but then they tell you that she can ignore it maybe that's because I don't know maybe if someone else can use their spells you know like there's sometimes you see rules where it's like I can oh, take yeah. the spells of people on the table mm-hmm. so if someone can steal her spell and use it they have to use it within three inches because yeah, like like Zinch can do that right yeah Pick a hero any pick a hero anywhere on the table and you're just plus one to hit it. That's that's good. This, and it's this is fun and it's totally within the lore of the, yeah. uh, the the these characters. Right. So they're sort of like demon prince level heroes, these two. Mm-hmm. Um, you get some you get if you want to play in the free city, you can you can play uh the free city. Yeah. Uh, you uh, for basically for cities of Sigmar, you can be in Excelsis now, which is cool. Yeah, it's got rules. It's got uh, you know battle traits and command traits and spell lores and stuff like that. Um, it's only three 
for each of these things, so you don't get a full six command traits or uh, six spells. Um, but if you want to play an Excelsis, you can. I like how they kind of brought back a couple of the uh, the old spells from the old game. Amber Spear yep. is in here. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's not bad. And once again, it's it's it. it anytime the free cities can get another thing to pick, I think that's always fun because yeah. it's it. It's all the free cities. There's so many places you can play. Anytime they give you some more stuff, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, let's look at the Van Denst and Lord Croak, and then I think we're just about done. We've got yeah. a, the, uh, the Beast Lord and the Jabber Slither in here too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which uh, we didn't, which didn't make an appearance. I don't think. I don't yeah, think we no, I don't remember Jabber that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> for some reason they're changing it up though. So uh, Duralia comes in first. She she was she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Five wounds with a four up save. She got a five inch move, and a five inch ward for wounds and mortal wounds. Not bad. Uh, plus one to her crossbow and plus one to hit for the crossbow if she didn't move. So she she's like from, a sniper. She's like a sniper. That's cool. So she goes from one attack, threes by threes, two ren, two damage, to two attacks, twos by threes. Not bad at all. Uh, also, double the damage of an attack made with this model's weapons if the target that is attacked is a wizard or a demon. Yeah. Oh, that's... So wait, so her crossbow becomes damage four? Damage four. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. And that's a wizard is sort of the, you know, demon is pretty. So if she doesn't. A, so go like, ahead, sorry. All, like all vampires, they're all wizards. So yeah. they're going to get hit by that. That's... So two, she doesn't move. It's two attacks, twos by threes, two rend, four damage if she's mm-hmm. not moving against wizards and demons. In addition, when she fights or shoots, you can choose an endless spell to be the target of the attack. If you do, roll a dice to see if the attack scores a hit. If it does, don't make a wound or save roll. Roll 2d6, and if it's greater than the casting value of the spell, the spell is dispelled. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. That is That's so... Kinda... Go ahead. Yeah. I'm, I just, I'm not... I mean, I think it's a more of a sort of a fluff rule, I guess. I don't like that word, but... Um... Because she does that in the in the lore, right? She, right. She's no, it, it, spell it, it fits to the lore, which is great. But what I like about this is you're already having. I mean, if you want to dispel an endless spell, you got to give up mm-hmm. one of your other dispels. Your wizard, yep. Yeah, to do it, she in in the shooting phase can just shoot at it mm-hmm. and take it out. That is really cool. Yeah, it's cool. And that's another way for in the cities of Sigmar to take out. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, endless spells can be brutal. And then she's got Galen, which is, I believe, that's her father, right? Yep. Um, he can move six inches with a five wounds and a four-inch range. Yep, he's got the ward save as well. The five-up ward. He can retreat and still shoot or charge. Mm-hmm. Um, he can double the damage if it's a wizard or demon, although he doesn't have that crossbow. He just got a pistol. Right. More attacks, though. Three attacks, threes by threes, one rend, one damage becomes two. Uh, he's got six attacks with his broadsword, threes by threes, one rend, one damage. So making that damage to his cool. Um, and he can also, when he fights or shoots, can attack endless spells. Right. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. 
it's really neat. And because then it's when he fights or shoots, right? And it doesn't say it's only once per the turn. So he can take out an endless spell in the shooting phase, and then if he's next to it, can try to take an endless spell out in the combat phase. Sure. These, that's, these are really cool. And now we get to Lord Croak. Mm. Wow. Okay. <laughs> He's got the full page. Like I said, first of all, an amazing model, which although it looks like, God, it does look like that's a little Space Marine helmet next to him, in my opinion. Where's that? If you look at the picture of Croak, look down at his feet next to, mm-hmm. next to where the little skink priest is oh, next to yeah, him. Oh, yeah, I see that. If you look at it close up, it's got those <laughs> circles on the side. Like it looks like it was carved out of rock, but boy, does that yeah. look like a space marine carving of a space marine helmet. And it we does. know that these guys have been to space. And mm-hmm. if you even if you paid attention when you were reading when they took off into space during the end times, mm-hmm. when that skink priest went and started powering up the ship, there was a voice coming through the radio that sounded yeah. almost elvish. And yeah, I'm like, like a, I'm like, wait, Eldar, or yeah. Something? I'm like, all yeah. right, I'll go with that. So let's talk about Lord Croak because I, I just love this model. I love Lord Croak. I've always liked Lord Croak. He's a cool character. Yeah, his new his new rule for high takes damage is kind of crazy. Okay, so let's go over it now. <laughs> he's got 18 wounds with a four up save. He only moves five inches. He's got nine bravery. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got one melee attack, a force barrier. Um, and it's only threes by threes, one rend, one damage, but that's not what his thing is. That That's not his ability. So no. let's talk. He's got Arcane Vassal as his first ability. When he attempts to cast a spell before making the casting roll, you can pick a Skink Wizard within 12 or a Friendly Oracle anywhere on the battlefield. If you do that and the spell is successfully cast not unbound, you must measure the range and visibility from that Skink Wizard or Oracle. You must. Yeah. So he doesn't actually cast them from himself. He works through others. Right. And he's also got this Azerite Force Barrier, which is the melee weapon. The attack characteristic is equal to the number of enemy models within three inches of this attacking model when the number of attacks made with the weapon is determined. Count an enemy monster as five models for the purpose of this rule. Mm -hmm. So he basically has as many attacks as is within three inches. Okay. Right. That's cool. Uh, at the end of each phase, if any wounds or mortal wounds were allocated, roll 3d6 at each phase where this was allocated. Mm-hmm. Roll 3d6 and add the number of wounds and mortal wounds to this, to the, to this model to the roll. On a 20-plus, this model is slain. On any other roll, all the wounds and mortal wounds are healed. <laughs> That's awesome. So you could, I mean, honestly, it's 3d6. On a bad roll, like triple sixes... Yeah. If he's taken any wounds, he could you could just boom, take him right out. Yeah. Um and that's I guess that's a, the the danger of being Lord Croak. Um but with the new I think with a lot of stuff with the new I mean, you could get him down to a 3 up save pretty easy. Mm-hmm. You know, with you know, sure. with the, with, the, with the new version of the game. I mean, you'd have to get basically to guarantee him to die. You'd have to get 17 wounds in him on a phase and he's only got 18 to begin with. Right. Um what I'm wondering is any wounds or mortal wounds allocated if there are any wounds at the end of a phase roll if you did 18 or more wounds in a phase would he be around yeah, at the end of the phase to do this? The, I don't think so. But so that's the designer's note there. Oh yeah. Oh, there it is. Duh. 
Yeah, he's immediately saying, okay, well, I, yeah, to read just a little bit farther, I forgot about that part. <laughs> but still, I mean, doing that many, it's kind of, yeah. Um, and you're just going to be swimming in command points. Yeah. If you've got him. At I the mean, start of your hero phase, yeah, three dice. You're going to get at least an extra command point, probably two. Right. I mean, because you're going to get just, you're going to get one every hero phase. You're going to get one because he's your general. And then you're going to get this on top of it. I mean, uh huh. Jeez. I mean, he's, and he's plus two to cast, dispel, and unbind. And he can unbind spells from anywhere and anywhere. endless spells anywhere on the table. Mm-hmm. He can cast four, he can unbind four. Um, he knows Arcane Bolt, Mystic Shield, the two spells here, Comets, Columns, but in addition, all the spells from the Lore of Celestial Domination. So he knows all the Seraphon spells plus these two new ones. Right. Um, what are the, you want to go over the spell here? You want to read this one? So Celestial Deliverance, uh, caster can attempt to cast this spell up to three times in the same hero phase. Mm-hmm. Celestial Deliverance has a casting value of seven the first time is attempted in a phase, a casting value of eight the second time is attempted in a phase, and a casting value of nine the third time is attempted in a phase. Each time the spell is cast, pick up to three different enemy units within ten inches of the caster and visible to them. And roll one dice for each unit you pick. On a two plus, the unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. The unit is a chaos demon unit. On a two plus, it suffers three mortal wounds instead of D3 mortal wounds. That's not, not bad. bad. It's not bad. It's Kind of a sh- it's a short range for me because that means Lord Croak is going to be in the thick of things, which is mm-hmm. maybe not where you want him. Yeah, and I mean it's uh, he's probably got better spells to cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, with the plus two to cast though, this is really going off on a five, six, and seven. Yeah. So if if this is one of those things where it's you know you can get up to three different units if you get someone down if you whittle something down you can uh, these are always what I call the polish off type of spells uh, sure. I, I could do an extra one or two here or there mm-hmm. you know I, they didn't manage to kill your hero but now I'm gonna just drop drop that one or two wounds and get him out of the game yeah I mean I think the next one is probably the better one the go comments for it call so comments call is the casting value of seven. If successfully cast, you can pick up to D3 different enemy units anywhere on the battlefield. Each of those units suffers D3 mortal wounds, roll separately for each. If the casting roll is 10+, pick up to D6 different enemy units instead of up to D3. Yep. Yeah, so that's that's way better. So basically you need to roll an 8. To get D6 wound D6, units taking. D6, uh, D6 different enemy units doing D3 mortal wounds to each one. Yeah. And he could just park them in the corner. <laughs> and you can do that, you know. Uh, and then his command ability, Supreme Gift from the Heavens, pick D3 friendly Seraphon units wholly within 18 inches of a friendly model with this command ability, which is him. Until your next hero phase, those units can fly, plus one to save for attacks made with missile weapons targeting them, and you can only use this once per hero phase. Mm-hmm. So D3 friendly units can suddenly fly and are plus one, they get plus one save against shooting. Yeah, it's really good. That's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Lord Croak sounds like a lot of fun. Um, big model base, easy to see, but um, I don't know. It just—I mean—that weird thing with his wounds. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think just, if you're the—I think if you're the Lord Croak player, you're going to spend a lot of your time managing where he is on the battlefield. You know, so you, you can't. 
put him anywhere close to where he's going to get charged. I mean, like a maw crusher could easily charge Lord Croak turn one if you do it wrong. You yeah, know? and you're going to average a 10 on that 3d6 roll. Mm-hmm. Which means if you take a, a, a hefty amount of wounds in there, and plus, you know, you know what's going to happen is, and it's going to be the one story you remember is you're going to take two wounds, yeah, and roll, roll triple sixes triple six. and be like, "Are you kidding me?" Because <laughs> that type of nonsense happens. Yeah. It oh, just happens. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Skaven Tide um, have their own list of battle traits and mm-hmm. stuff that they can do again. All right. So this is where they kind of got the little addition that I really like, where you can hide your weapon teams now right. inside units. Mm-hmm. Cool. They used to be able to do that, and now they can do it again, which is yeah. cool. Yeah, you just got to you got to mark down which unit you're they're hiding in, but then they can pop them out and stuff. Right, right. Anything but anything other than a warp grinder. So all your rattling guns, your flame, or your warp fire cannons, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean this is this is a four paragraph battle trait with this hidden weapons team and how you <laughs> yeah. how you how, where you can hide it, how you can pop it out, what it can do. It's like oh okay. Um, and there's some stuff. You got some clan molder mutations in there. There's some interesting stuff in there if you are a Skaven player. Um, and then you got these rules for the Beast Lord and the Jabber Slice. And uh, you know what? Let's let's just let's just cover them because we covered every <laughs> other thing. I would sure. feel weird to just not cover these last two guys. Yeah. Uh, Beast Lord move six, five wounds, four up save. Uh, he's he's got the. Paired axes, six attacks, three by threes, one run, one damage. Okay, it can run and charge. Mm-hmm. Um, if any enemy models are slain by wounds inflicted by this model's attacks in the combat phase, add one to wound rolls for attacks made by friendly Bray Herd units, wholly within 18 inches until the end of that phase. So you run up a Beast Lord and you fight with him first. Yep. And if it good. kills anything, yeah, plus one to wound is good. In addition, if any heroes or monsters are slain by him, you can add one to hit rolls, too. Uh, that same unit cannot benefit from this ability more than once per phase. Right. So if any enemy models are slain. So that's the one you're looking to see most of the time. I mean, the whole heroes are monsters slain mm-hmm. is always kind of a, a meh rule for me. You right. Know? I'm just reading. Okay. Okay. Slain in this model's combat phase. Mm-hmm. Or if heroes are slain, you can add one to hit rolls. The same unit cannot benefit from this ability more than once per phase. Right. So if you kill a hero or a monster, you're uh-huh. going to get plus one to wound and plus one to hit. Okay. For everybody within 18 inches, which is cool. Right, but then it says the but, oh, okay, the same unit cannot benefit because you could have multiple beast lords. I was just trying to figure out why can't, yeah. but that's why. Okay, if you have multiple beast lords, that right. only works for once. Okay, that I was like, what, I was trying to figure out where the multiple things would happen because mm-hmm. I'm not thinking straight because it's midnight. Mm-hmm. Let's see, hatred of <laughs> heroes. Uh, if the unmodified hit roll is a six, it does two hits instead of one. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, that grizzly trophy is kind of a cool thing though. If he does, if if, if the beast it lords is. do any killing, their bray herds do get do better fighting. Good gravy. Well, that's <laughs> Kragnos. Yeah, 
And so now, even though we covered AOS a couple of days ago and released the new rules, I didn't want to not finish the story leading up to what's going to be happening in the third, in the third, uh, you know, third edition of this game because boy, there's a lot of changes. Yes. And it's funny you see Alariel do all this fighting in the beginning, you never hear about her again, and then you get her rules, and you're like, whoa, that changes the whole dynamic of the army because I, I mean, that's it's she suddenly it's like she's this healing machine like this well, which goes with just, the story is life powers are spreading through everything right and that's the new edition of the game has also has healing built into it with the command abilities because now you can rally your troops you right. can basically bring them back for a leadership check um and then she, she could she could just heal herself with you know with uh the one com- the one uh ability right yes I, it's just in great. the hero phase. I mean, it's 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 good. I, I played my first 3.0 game over the weekend, and uh, I was I was pretty happy with with it. It was really fun. Yeah, no, I'm I'm super stoked, soaked, soaked, soaked. No, I'm not super soaked. I'm super <laughs> stoked for go. the things that we can do here in this new game. Yeah. I'm I'm just I'm way excited. I can't wait to be getting a bunch of games in with this. Yeah, um, we need to play some games. We are definitely going to be playing some games, Chris. Um, Sweet. So, um, th- and Chris, speaking of which, thanks, thanks so much for coming on and doing this yeah, with man. me. Um, fun. Covering the book like this. I hope to have you back on again. Absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be after we've played a couple of games and we can review those. Yeah, talk about how things go. Because mm-hmm. um, I definitely want to play with some with the with the Ruth Harrison wants to play as Realm Lords. I've got the Night Haunt. I've even got some Ogres. And I'd like to see how they roll in this because they seem yeah. like they're going to be pretty fun with these rules. Yeah. So we'll do that. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely get some games in. So um, cool, before we leave, folks, I just want to take this chance one more time to thank uh, our sponsors, Chaos Orc Superstore and Six Squared Studios and Garagnar Games in Roselle, Illinois. Yeah. And our Patreon patrons, our associate producers, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, and Big Jake. Our executive producer, Colin Miller, and our newest patron, Christopher Russell. Thank you all patrons, past, present, and future, for becoming part of the almost 1% who make this show and all these things we do on it possible. So until next time, folks, uh, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure.